Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Call. We've got a jam-packed episode here for you this morning, uh, encompassing the debate on ethical cheating, a little bit of a dabble into another metaverse, I wouldn't say debate, but conversation, and how economies of scale can change when we step into the metaverse. I'm not quite sure what people think of our conversations about the metaverse, but nonetheless, here we are. And then we actually have a little role reversal with Whack versus Wise, which uh, which turned out to be quite hilarious. So without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of The Weekly Call. So we can turn on the stress response just by thought alone. We can think about our problems and turn on those chemicals. That means then our thoughts could make us sick. So if it's possible that our thoughts could make us sick, is it possible then our thoughts could make us well? The answer is absolutely yes. You're listening to the Weekly Call Podcast with Austin, Hammer, and John. Welcome. It's enormously important that you do have the right friends. If they make you a better person than you otherwise would be, that's the ultimate gift. It deals for the most part with success. It deals with people who you started your life off with and what success does to them. People look at you strange saying you changed, like you worked that hard to stay the same, like you're doing all this for a reason. Remind yourself, this fight that you're in, this is what will make you stronger. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Weekly Call. Uh, We have myself, Austin, out in Elmer, Quebec. John in Kelowna, BC, and Amher still out in Belize? No? You back home? Yeah? Yeah, yeah. I'm in Belize, but I'm in Belize City. I was in San Pedro, Belize. We had to take like this 15-minute uh, plane in a, in a Cessna to, uh, nice. to go back to the, the mainland. And I gotta so you're tell on you, bro, route back now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my plane tomorrow morning leaves to Chicago and then back to Toronto. So that's pretty exciting. Wow. Um, but it's... Uh, it's like stray dogs, you know. It's like all gravel roads. Um, no addresses. It's, it's uh, it's ghetto. But that it's, is um kind of interesting. Yeah, but we're just sitting here for like literally twelve hours, and then we're going to the next spot. So that's wow, what, that's what that's what this Airbnb is. I also just want to point out that uh, you knew this, like, I think six weeks ago or something or maybe three weeks ago and yeah, you knew that you were going to be in this little city for a 12-hour layover and that's why you asked to do the podcast tonight which is on an off night yeah so yeah good um, yeah everything's planned out man yo uh, i was speaking of your flight um i just finished watching that boeing documentary on netflix have you guys dude what, what one of my friends told me about yeah yeah what would you would you take away from it well, I, I haven't re- seen it, John. You need to you need to go watch it. It would. I'm really curious to know your feedback on it because this essentially Boeing was one of the first very credible airlines, and in terms of the engineering design and and safety focus, like sorry, made, airlines or airline manufacturer. Sorry, airline manufacturer, uh, aircraft manufacturer. And so they started out manufacturing airplanes and went into all different types of vehicle manufacturing. Um, You know, they designed one of the driverless robots that that foraged on the moon, you know, like they're they're 
very reputable company. Everyone knows who Boeing is, right? So we've probably all been on a Boeing aircraft at one point or another. Um, but then they got, uh, I'm not, I, I'm going to spoil the entire thing. Essentially, corporate greed completely overtook the company and they made a several fundamental poor decisions from a, around safety around safety but even once they had got caught for making the bad decisions around safety and people had died they doubled down on the fact that they had nothing to do with it and then it happened again and they doubled down again like it's just insane and then all and then all hell broke loose and they had to turn over all of these internal documents and they just got rinsed and it was super embarrassing but no one really knew it. about it. This happened in 2019, and I had no idea. Or I guess the no, whole thing. No, I think thing... I heard of this, like the eight, the the eight, the max or whatever it was. What yeah, was the that? 737 oh, max. It's a total piece yeah, of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, a total of 400 and some odd people died, and t- across two different airplane crashes, uh, just in a span of five months, and they did nothing about it. They thought it was just fine to keep these planes flying. It was insane. And they just kept blaming the airlines for because these crashes happened in Ethiopia and uh, and Indonesia. They were blaming the pilots. They were like, oh, you know, clearly the pilots training. And, and it just made me think about how. In business, obviously, we are operating at a little speck of dust on a tin can scale to Boeing, but. There's always the opportunity to take accountability. Um, and that's something I learned the hard way, obviously, uh, many times where you have the opportunity, you can step up and what feels at the time, almost like you're taking a step backwards, almost like you're sewering yourself because you're exposing yourself to so many impacts. The, the sign of authenticity for the other party of you just owning up to what you did fully and without fail every single time just creates actually a better relationship, right? Like, yeah. Like imagine if these flights would have went down and Boeing was like, Oh my God, this happened. This is absolutely terrible. We're going to ground all these planes until we figure out what's going on. And not only that, we're going to personally donate 750,000 or a million dollars to all of these families. Because we find like we feel so responsible for not doing our due diligence. Like, sure, there would have been people still pissed off, but nobody would be dragging Boeing through the mud. Um, mistakes happen. How right? did they does the documentary talk about how they recovered? They ended up paying two point five billion in settlements. It would have been cheaper to just pay each family a million dollars. Well, I'm sure that unfortunately, I'm sure that at some point in time someone had probably whipped out a spreadsheet and said Here's the probability of this happening. Yeah, for sure. That happening. Yeah. Here's how much each thing's going to cost us, you know, because another thing to admitting fault, maybe, you know, again, I'm not saying this is the, you know, this is good behavior, but I'm sure that at some point in time, some executive looked at how much he was being, you know, how, you know, maybe his stock options or something like that and did the math of like, holy shit, like if the stock plummets because we admit fault to this, then like here goes my net worth basically, right? Can't afford that beach house or something, you know? And you know, that's exactly what it is, John. In all, in all fairness too, I don't know who the executives were. It sounds like they d- didn't have good behavior, but you know, you don't want to throw shade if you don't know. Well, they did have, yeah, you, you'll see when you watch the documentary, it, it is quite invigorating. 
because it seems like just basic business ethics and morals that even we have. I mean, we're only 25 approximately, and we've we haven't even really experienced the the peak or the brink of our career. And we already, I, I would say, at least from what I can tell from you guys, just fundamentally operate with those the complete opposite morality in mind. Yeah. Although one thing to consider too, I mean, I'm not saying this is the case for us, you know, I mean, we, we, we play with relatively small numbers, although they're, yeah. they're big numbers to us. So it's, you know, it's <laughs> like they're small, you know what I mean? So it's, it, I think there is yeah. some relevancy, but, but nonetheless, um, I really like what, I think this was Ryan holiday who was like, you don't really get like brownie points if you don't cheat on your wife because you never had the opportunity to, does that, does that make sense? Like, like if you just never were put in a position where you actually had to make that choice of like, you know what, I'm actually just not going to cheat on my wife. I'm just like, Hey, thank you. know what I mean? Then you, you can't really like say like you're such a loyal individual, right? Like until you're tested, it's not really, it's not really fair to say how ethical you are. Right. Or in, in, or in other words, right. A lot of people would say, Oh, I wouldn't do blank. Right. But they've never been in that situation where they've had to been tested. So it's 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 hard to say. Right. And. Kind of on a similar note, just kind of the reverse side of it, do you know, like that. Like, like sort of like how, like, OK, like there's kind of a thing where it's like. I think every man at some point in their life, well, not every man, but most men have had had some sort of um, conversation about with, you know, maybe some of their their friends or their bros. Right about how if someone raped their child, they would kill the guy, right? Yeah, I think we've all loosely had that conversation at some point. Yeah, yeah, I think everyone can relate to that, right? Well, it's another thing to actually be put in that position and actually try and kill the motherfucker. Mm -hmm. And Cain Velasquez, UFC heavyweight champion, Mm -hmm. recently was put in that position and he tried killing the guy. Mm -hmm. So like he's actually a badass you're like yeah fuck yeah man like that guy earns my respect right mm-hmm. yeah he like walked the walk um yeah he there- walked the walk right so bring so where i was going with that though is that it's like until you're actually put in a position it's all just talk right there, there- very few people yeah. have, like, so are you saying here. john that like for me to say that it's talk no no no, no. Oh, okay I, nothing to do with you yeah, i'm not even talking well about no, no 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 i don't mean that like watch what you say i disagree with you i'm just curious like because I, I do no get- no i think that you and i have been put in situations on numerous occasions just in running a painting business where right. we could have made that choice and i don't think we did right? no for sure but i'm saying that yeah. what i got from what you said was that if we were in the corporate executives at boeing's shoes maybe we would have made a different decision that's what i well yeah man like i mean you know i don't know how many shares the ceo or you know i don't I, and i don't even know the whole story i'll, I'll have to watch the documentary but you know, in a hypothetical corporation, you know, a lot of CEOs and in this, and this is actually kind of a hot topic, you know, in general, and Warren Buffett's been commenting on this for a long time about how corporate exec, executives in America are compensated. And a lot of times it's, it's through stock compensation, right? As in you hit certain milestone, you get awarded this many stocks at, you know, at a very favorable rate, right? Um, and so, their their incentive as is is the stock price in a lot of ways, right? Not so much the performance of the business or the ethics of the business, right? Yep. But how do you incentivize that, right? Um, you know, it's something that I that I even consider too, like even with Jocelyn, like how do I incentivize the best behavior, right? 
Okay, yo, so there's this book, um, like on that similar topic. I forgot the title, but I can get you the title. But it, it's these two guys who did a complete re-investigation uh, over the population growth rates of Earth. And the UN had said that, you know, the Earth by like 2100 is going to have like, I think we're at like 7.9 billion. And, and the UN said we're going to peak. And I'm not sure if it's around 2100, but I think it's after. But we're, the population is going to peak around 13.7 billion. And then it's going to start dropping. But these guys actually looked at the numbers and realized it was a bit different. They realized that we're going to peak around 2100. So 2100. So in, you know, 78 years. And that it's going to peak at 9 billion. And then after that, the population is going to start dropping. And we were having a conversation about this. And have you guys ever seen uh, population charts? Do you know what they look like? John, have uh, you, are you familiar with what a, what no, a population can... chart looks like? Not, I mean, unless it looks any different than any of it. Like, I mean, I've seen a chart of human population. Yeah, and, and I don't know about hockey stick growth. No, uh, Austin, just look up population chart. And if you're watching this, give it a quick Google so you know what I'm talking about. Population yeah, chart, it should, it, it should have on the left, like males, on the right, females. And then age is in the middle. Okay. And then they're just like lines popula- that go up. Population growth chart of the world? No, I would just po- type in like population graph or population chart. Um, I'll do the same. But if you can imagine... Where were you going with that? I'll, I'll pull it up, Emmer. You, you keep going. Yeah. What I'm going with that is... No, it's not like that. Uh, not that one. Um, no. That's not what that looks like. So if, if you just imagine, like, uh, in the middle, you have a bunch of... Don't type in growth. Just type in population chart. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Population. Where? Yeah, yeah. So it's called population pyramid. Yeah. This? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one on the left. Oh, these are called. Um, what are they called, Dan? Fuck, I should know this. They are called. Fuck, what are they called? Master's degree is really paying off here. Just get to here. the fucking point. What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. It's just annoying, you know? Just get to the for, fucking For someone point. like Austin and I. We, I know, know, man. This. Who cares? Um, it's a population pyramid. That's what it's called. Okay, I'm going to figure it out. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> John's like, bro. <laughs> and, anyways, anyways, you're talking about just, co- okay, compensation. Tell me what you're going to say so I can tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> when you look at CEOs and how they're compensated, like most of them, like most CEOs, like how long do they stick around? Like five, like what's the average cycle of a CEO? Do you know, John? I actually don't know that. I don't. Austin, give us a quick Google. Average cycle of a... Jesus CEO. Christ, I feel I, like Jamie I, I here bet, on Joe Rogan. I bet in, 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 corporate, in corporate USA, I bet it's less than five years. I bet it's between four to seven. Make sure you type in S&P 500. How long is the average... CEO. Tenure of a CEO. Tenure of... CEO. Uh, S&P 500. Yeah. 7.8 years. Shortest. Mm. Oh, sorry. Yeah. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, 6.9 years in 2009. Okay. okay. So eventually, and I don't know if you guys know this, but the population, to like maintain the population, you need around 2.1 children. I guess familiar with that um, number? Have you guys ever been exposed yeah, I mean, to it? It makes sense. 2.1 children. Sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, to maintain population. And the world, makes sense, yeah, yeah the, the world right now is like at like 2.6, but it's really being carried by like countries in Africa where people are like having seven, eight, nine children. Uh, in Canada, the population is like 1.47 and it's only being balanced because of immigrants. Canada takes in around 300,000 mm. immigrants per year. Um, and so an effect of the, of, of, of this declining population is you're going to eventually have a lot of people who are very old and not many people to support them. So this has been happening in like Japan where like for every two people who are past retirement, no, for every one person who's past the retirement age, it requires two people to like keep them basically alive. Yeah, I've heard this. Sustained. So what's going to eventually happen is the political, these guys were hypothesizing that effect of that is that, all these political parties are going to stop aiming for like the, the, the teens and like people in their thirties and forties. And they're going to dictate most of their policies and target most of these people in their sixties and seventies. Yeah. I wonder if, I wonder if printing a ton of money and in, in increasing everyone's asset values as far as their home is concerned, has anything to do with that kind of shift, you know, wonder, you know what's the, what's the average Canadian's retirement bank account? It's their fucking home, right? Yeah. It's crazy. Oh, I just got a big bailout. Um, but here's the impact of that. You might be asking, well, Amr, what, what are you talking about? Well, if the average, uh, the average political party usually, you know, is around, it's four-year terms, right? So these, they make all these promises. What's going to happen is all these political parties are going to start making very short-term promises that might have negative impact long-term because they're not optimizing for the long-term of the population, they're optimizing. Has that the always been the case with democracy, or at least, a, sorry, a, representat- a representational democracy, where you have terms? Yeah, but it's gonna get. The argument is, it's it's gonna get exponentially worse when most of your population are older, gonna die in like five to ten years. And yeah, so that makes sense. So if I'm a if I'm a CEO in Boeing and. Uh, I don't know how to say it. I don't know if I'm saying it correctly. Am I saying it correctly? Boeing? Boeing. Yeah. Boeing. Yeah. Boeing. Okay. Boeing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if I'm a CEO at Boeing and I know my tenure on average is going to be like six to seven years and I get compensated based on stock price, then I can see why Warren Buffett is concerned because it's like- You're just uh, trying to run up the value of the company and then get your shares and you're gone, right? Yeah. And then to go back to your point, John, on on- on people being tested back in like 2009 or 10 tiger woods was like caught cheating on his wife with like i think like four or five women and like oh, all more his, than that how much what, yeah, yeah do you remember i think it was a hundred no no it was like <laughs> was it I, I think like it was actually like 48 like women or 48 okay. 48 okay 48 laws of power the 48 he had women 48 exactly yeah one for every chapter yeah, no, I think it was 48 mistresses, and I could be way okay, off on way. that. So let me, yeah, let me yeah, fact yeah. check a lot that. Of, a lot so, of women. So think about More somebody, but like think about somebody like Tiger Woods. Somebody might say like, oh, he's like not faithful, but like on average, he's probably more faithful than like way, like way more than, basically the stand-up comedian was making that point where <laughs> okay. probably Tiger Woods has been proposed 
by women like millions of times. Like he can just like he has the opportunity millions and millions of times. So let's say just let's I just, see you're saying like on a stats basis. If like, you just go on the like, stats, you know, like I've been pitched like twice. So I'm like I'm like zero for you know zero for two, and Tiger's like. 48 for like sorry let me let me refresh uh, new york stats. new york post uh states uh he cheated on his wife 120 times or i, yeah, I guess with, with 120 different women yeah yeah but you think well, about tiger Amber, woods the stats don't i it's a good, it makes for a good stand-up line but like yeah, the yeah, stats yeah. don't lie because it's like if you're zero for five and he's 48 for a thousand he's still like his you <laughs> no know, but he's not he, a he thousand tiger woods he's probably like 48 for like a Look million at, out of all of the cheaters tiger's probably the probably the, the best one in the <laughs> yeah. sense that he that was the stand-up bit that was the yeah yeah it's yeah. it's still in the realm of in cheaters he's still a cheater like it's not you know what i mean like he, <laughs> he's definitely so john cheater. your argument is if you cheat once you might as well go for a 120 no, 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 no. What are you uh, saying? Sorry, Austin, you missed the, the stats on that. Like the average guy who cheats on his wife is just a douchebag because one, you cheated, but two, it's like you were one for one. Like the first chick that came your way, you cheated. Tiger was like fucking oh, God. dodging okay, yeah, I bitches get it, I get it. left, right, and center, you know, and fucking caught a few fastballs. You know what I mean? Like when you're when you're when you're at bat Bro. fucking 80, 80 times a day, it's like you're gonna, you know, you might swing at the odd pitch, you know? Mm hell of an argument yeah so you know what i mean so it's like out of all the cheaters he's actually the most ethical yeah so if you look at it like that because that, he was that, probably like what 120 uh, for like ten thousand. like i bet i bet i bet on average he was propositioned at least twice a day per year how long was he look up how long he was married dude twice per day we're looking at we're probably so looking false. at least uh five so year false. marriage five year marriage. you think it's more easily one every hour well okay <laughs> One hundred percent. One hundred. I guess Instagram makes the the world smaller, right? <laughs> oh, dude, Instagram. What are you even talking? Yeah, there's probably a hundred propositions an hour. Okay, so fine. So we got twenty four. How many hours in a year? Um, there's a song about that, isn't there? Eighty four thousand. No, that's eighty four thousand seconds a day. Uh, there's a song about this. What is this? Google like? Five hundred. Uh, you know what is that? Mm. How like? many? Oh no, it's a seconds. How many? hours in a year i think it's like 8200 or something like that yeah 8700 okay so there you go so 8760 how many how long were they married for five, five years. years five years so what's that times by five uh you just change that one to a five. Uh, 75,000 75, or so okay so he's no. 120 for 75,000 that's like pretty no, 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 you know, no. what's what's the uh, you know 43,000 oh my bad okay so 120 by so 43,000 so 120 Divided by 43. Uh, you're looking at a success rate of 0. 0.0027. So 0. Point, that would be 0.02%. I mean, he's probably the most ethical cheater out there. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the argument, though. Like, like uh, This is the argument John was making, which is how many times have we been propositioned for like tens or thousands of dollars? in our business, maybe once or twice, where like, if you're a CEO, by the way, uh, let me just make this clear. If like, you're just jumping in oh, yeah, or you're zoned out, you on, on, let's yeah. just make this very clear. If you're a cheater, go fuck yourself. All right. Let's just make that very, 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 very clear. <laughs> if, if you're out here 
trying to skew around integrity, I need you to close your phone and and never listen to us again. You're not welcome. Mm, yeah. Well, yeah, that's very. Go clear. ahead and go ahead and not make them wrong, Amara. That's good. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm gonna make them wrong. There's full morality. No, that's, that's, here. No. <laughs> that's wrong. I, I disagree, that's man. Wrong. Like, I'm kidding. I think I'm, that, kidding. I'm kidding. I, I yeah. just want to make it I mean, a point. What's the argument? What's no? I'm not. I'm not kidding. What's the counter argument on uh, on cheating? There is the no counter argument. Oh, okay. Well, where we? Oh, what? sorry. You're saying counter argument on actually cheating like you're saying what why yeah. would you argue against cheating well you tell me why don't you no, just why go... would you argue for cheating okay no yeah exactly that wasn't clear oh because it's like maybe yeah. a shortcut people will say oh yeah no i you're right i i messed up the wording yeah. what's the argument against not cheating which is double negative Sorry, <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah most, okay, most either way yeah, either way yeah, yeah. either way when you're I, I see where you're going with yeah that, though, right? we're like when you're the ceo and like you have this opportunity to like quintuple or 10x your your income or net worth if you do these things that might affect people like very far away that you may never meet them it's like you know absolute power corrupts absolutely so mm. i'd be interested in seeing what other companies are doing to maybe check well, somebody in that, that position well, well but the other thing too is that think about how much hypocrisy there is in a corporate america right like if you're a ceo of boeing and you're like oh like fine like I, I i'm just gonna play devil's advocate here okay you're like what's the big deal like yeah we we skirted the lines a little bit on uh on uh on some safety but like most of that's just some stupid government regulation anyways we still think our planes are safe and we do think that maybe there was some some fault with the with airlines meanwhile you got fucking apple here who's got foxconn and like how many suicides per year are they are, do they have right like child slavery like what's worse it's like our people are dead theirs are still alive in captivity being like held as slaves basically like who's worse here right so i could see i could see some some ceos kind of getting you know a bit justified in their actions of like man like are we really that evil because mm. we skirted the lines on safety a little bit meanwhile there's there's how many businesses have some if you're if you questionable operations if you're assembling iphones you're in a building with suicide nets so it's like you try to kill yourself enough times where the company employing you starts putting nets to catch you so you can well, get, and by the way when and when people jump off a building if they're like uninjured they put them back to work i'm not even kidding you can go you can go check me well out. the other thing too is that like you know think about the tobacco industry like that's legal like i mean there's the the the, the, the I mean, the intended use of cigarettes is death. Like, I mean, or like, like, sorry, like the, the consequence of it is death. Yeah. Like, it's not like, like, and like, not even in a good way. I mean, because I mean, you could, you could argue that, you know, like Smith and Wesson, right? Like, they're... oh, damn, let's see that shirt. Yeah, you like this? Oh, dude, I need some. We need to launch that. How about this hat, though? Oh, dude, oh, I didn't even notice that you had the hat matching. The American colors, too, right? The red, white, and blue. That is amazing. Wow. It seems like your stock is not doing that well if you're trying to sell more. <laughs> yeah, bro. This really went full circle. Please buy my stock. John's actually the CEO. He's like, guys, guys, you should be really moral with pumping your stock. But, you know. No, 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 no. But hear me out, though. So, I mean, but, but like, so, but, like, uh, if you're Smith & Wesson, right, I mean, they manufacture firearms, right? And... You know, I mean, yes, there's obviously other uses other than killing other individuals with a firearm. Like, I mean, you could, you know, you, you can do target shoot. Like, it's a hobby in a sense. Like, you know, you can you can shoot a gun and not kill someone. I mean, I would I would even argue most bullets fired have not killed someone, <laughs> right? Like, 
the actual percentage of bullets that have actually like killed someone in relation to how many bullets have been fired it's a it's a small number mm-hmm. right for obvious reasons um but the intended use is not necessarily malicious right like as in it, the idea behind selling a firearm especially in america is that that it would only be used for emergency situations where it is justified right like you're not like there's there's many rules in place to not have firearms in someone's hands who would use it for misappropriate reasons right like so for example if you're a ukrainian citizen right now you're pretty grateful that you have a firearm <laughs> right like so good use of a firearm there's no good use of a cigarette right and so how many people and how many billions of dollars have they been responsible for? So here's, you're the Boeing CEO and you're like, well, what the fuck? We, go, we, call, we killed 400 people, right? In, in how many years, right? And meanwhile, you got, um, you know, British American tobacco or whatever, or BTA or B, yeah, British American tobacco, and they're killing how many people a year? And, you know, what's the ethics behind that? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, or like, look at like look at casinos in um, reading about Las Vegas right now. I mean, this is just this you is, know we got to be careful here. There's a lot of there's a lot of gray here. area. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of gray area in ethics, right? So yeah, there is. I remember like, one time in high school we had these debates where we had to just take a side on a controversial topic, and I had to argue pro euthanasia like pro uh dude i had to do the same exact topic no way What's euthanasia? yeah uh abortions no that's not a euthanasia am i having oh sorry never mind euthanasia pulling the plug yeah yeah sorry um so euthanasia is the argument of like if somebody's in extreme you... pain yeah like like taking them off life support right kind of a it's kind of a weird it's kind of a weird thing that we that we keep people alive so long if you think about it like could you imagine how like like do you think that the, the do you think that the disadvantage to society has been eliminated because like there there was a time in in our history as humans where you know if you were weak you know everyone would kind of be like oh yeah let's have a fire tonight fucking you know let's say amber like has a broken leg yeah let's have a fire a fucking that's awesome and then we're all kind of telling stories, having a good time. Amber, here, you fucking have some more booze. You know, you're such a great guy, right? And then meanwhile, fucking Austin goes into these, like, hey, guys, I'm just going to go take a pee. I'll be right back. Comes back, sneaks up behind Amber and fucking hatchets him to death from behind, right? Why? He's got a fucking broken leg. We can't fucking carry this guy. Are you kidding me? Like, we're going to be at a way massive disadvantage. We got to whack this guy off, right? Nowadays, we're like <laughs> keeping these, you know, we got, we got hospitals full of people that we're just keeping alive. Yeah. Like, do you think that... Well, I mean, oh, I, I have some I'm being humorous, of course. Okay. I have I'm being okay. humorous, okay. but okay. no. But, but I gr- the point being, though, is do you believe that 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 disadvantage has been eliminated? Disadvantage of on society, like like the reason why, at least part of the. I mean, I think the main reason why we would we would get rid of the weak, okay, or at least the people that were a burden to the the group. Either one, exiling. I mean, exiling is no longer a thing, really. Like, I mean, when's the last time you heard about someone getting exiled? <laughs> Right. So exile or, you know, euthanasia, uh, euthanize, is that the word? Yeah. Like, like you would get rid of that because they were a burden on, on the tribe. Right. Do you think that there's like that, that, that's been eliminated? Like why, why is it that you think like, you know, has morality in a way kind of gotten in the way of efficiency? 
I think it's less about what's best for the tribe or best for, you know, our healthcare system or tax dollars or anything. It's just mainly about there is a point in your suffering if you're in such poor health that I truly think it's not fair to the person to keep them alive. Because if you if you want to look at your original example, John, like, yeah, Amor has a broken leg. You can't carry him. He's going to be a burden to the group. Yeah, get rid of him, whatever, the archaic way of dealing with it. But Amor would eventually, let's say if he had an infection in his leg, Amor would die of natural causes eventually, right? But what we're doing now is like prolonging the process of suffering. Like my grandmother was in the hospital for, I think, I'm going to say six months, seven months maybe. And the the last two or three months, our whole family was just like, what is the point of this? Like, she doesn't even know where she is. She's lucid. She has, you know, no sense of orientation. She doesn't know anyone's name. It was just like, um, this is hard on her. It's hard on us. It's hard on the doctors. Like, it's just, (laughs) what is the point? It's like, clearly this person is not coming back from this state. There's no, you know, I, I disagree with the whole, I I know, I know what you mean. It's insane. Um, but I did have, do you see where I'm coming from with the, with the burden side of it though? I mean, like think about how much it costs to keep, was it your grandmother? Oh yeah. No, I, well, I, I see the, the burden side for sure. However, I think months, right. A more compelling argument is that what's more humanitarian. Like that's going to get more consensus across people. That argument, I believe. Well, fair enough. But so like, like how many, it was eight months you said. Yeah. Okay. So we prolong it because it was inevitable. She was going to die. Oh, well maybe with three months left, it was, inevitable yeah well i mean okay for i mean i guess you could argue everyone's inevitably gonna die yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. She, but she was she was past she was past the point of like having any sort of hundred percent reason to live yeah. okay yeah okay um like when she went into the hospital kind of thing right yeah yeah so like i i think like trisha was saying that i think it costs like i think it's like it's at least, i mean it's it's i think it's more but was it was a thousand dollars a day for a bed i think it was much more than that but it was a thousand dollars per day so 30 grand a month so uh you got like forty thousand or what is that uh, $400,000 to pro- prolong your grandmother's life for eight months, right? When, so like, I feel like it's one of those ones where if, if you were to like sit your grandmother down at the very beginning of saying like, hey, you know, basically here's the thing. We we, we can spend $400,000 to keep you alive for the next eight months or you can effectively donate that back to society. What would you like to do? Mm-hmm. I, I, there's not too many people I think that would say, you know what, give me the, you know, basically give me the 400,000, right? Yeah, I think a lot of I think a lot of people would be like, yeah, you know what, fucking four hundred thousand, like that could pay for how many kids' education, right? Like, or or but you get maybe like the services. direct, you get like the direct choice of what it goes and gets spent on. Maybe you do want to actually make, um, tuition free for, you know, two hundred students or something, you know. Well, but this is the thing, right? It's yeah. like, so if you think about it, it's like okay, like what's the cost of because I think why these decisions are so tough now is that it's not inherently clear, which I think it is life or death for society. Right. And there's all these small decisions that we make on a daily basis that seem harmless. Right. But it's, it's, again, it's not, 
like the big boulder that comes flying down the hill that takes out society. It's the pebble and the shoe, right? And it's Mm -hmm. all these small decisions of, you know, let's say this quote unquote, like liberal approach to just how we spend our our money as a society and how we spend our tax dollars, right? And and run these deficits, right? And this is is one of those decisions that someone is like, oh, but you you know, that's like they they do like the quote unquote like what the what's what's the warm fuzzy feeling the warm fuzzy feeling is keeping the person alive right mm-hmm. but I think the logical thing to do would be like guys we kind of have to do it here right because but it was much more obvious like in, in the broken leg situation you know Amher's got a broken leg and you know we've been being we we've had a fucking saber tooth tiger on our ass for the last two weeks <laughs> and fucking I pull Austin aside I'm like hey man like. Like, you know, like, I don't know where this tiger is at, but like, I, I feel like if we leave Amber behind, you know, like, let's not even kill him. Let's actually just leave him. And like in the middle of the night and like, we got, we, well, that probably buys us at least a week. You know what I mean? And it's like, that saves, you know, that prolongs the life of everyone in the tribe, you know? Right. So it was, it was more obvious. Sorry, Amber, you're just kidding. You're just, the saber tooth tiger is just gonna feast on Ammer. Oh, I love it. Well, the, the, I was having this debate with my friend. And just garnish Ammer before we leave. <laughs> <laughs> Sprinkling some salt. Yeah, exactly. Some butter. salt, just salt bay over top of your room. <laughs> um, I was having this discussion with my friend, and you know, Ray Dalio's changing world order. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, yeah. Well. China optimizes for society. The U.S. optimizes for the individual. And so... I, I would argue that that's their aim, but I think that they've failed in doing that. Well, yeah, Ray Dalio would agree as well, but uh, we're like 75% through our prosperity, period. That's what he was saying. We're kind of like got another quarter left, and then, you know, you, go, you get, get to the other side. But China, for example... They they have been doing everything that I know you're being humorous here, but China has been doing this stuff where, you know, like for example, they would uh, the one child rule when they realized the population of China was getting out of control. They're like, mm-hmm. no more children. That seems pretty unethical to me. Um, then there is uh, the complete genocide of like specific of just like Muslims in in China, because in their eyes they are a burden, so they're just wiping them off the map. And yeah, people are like a lot of business owners. The Chinese government owns a portion of their equity, uh, and they're maintained by the government. So, or even the fact that most of their lending institutions are state owned. Yeah, yeah. So it's very, very different. Very different. At the end of the day. I think there's a lot of Christian Abrahamic opinions that have created this country and like countries like the US where it's like treat others like you want to be treated love thy neighbor and that's what everything has been built from and I like it and I hope it doesn't change but you can't change the inevitable and it does seem like well, the new world power will be China so like there's no argument there but well, there's tons of arguments there, but that's not that's not a clear statement. But but what do you think about this, Amber? So 
from what I understand, I, I can't think of a, a single other than maybe like a local co-op, but I can't think of a single business that's not operated with a, what what effectively is a dictator, right? Like there's a CEO, you know, there's maybe a board of directors that has, you know, but but effectively there's an individual who's who's running the ship, right? Yeah, if you're trying to optimize for the short term, a dictator can get things moving very fast. No, but but do you not think it's even more optimal for the long run in a lot of ways? No, because he's a human being. And I just know human nature. I think after year five or ten, he's entropy. Just like... Again, we just, this, this is perfectly ties back to the Tiger Woods example. Eventually, corruption will start seeping in. Like, sure, for the first five years, you can maintain your integrity and character. But if you're being proposed and bribed and offered all these things thousands of times a day, literally thousands of times a day, you will eventually give in because you are a human being. So you should, it's best to like have a different environment or structure. Well, it's interesting if you look at the first president of uh, of of America, George George Washington. Uh, after his his second term, he he declined. He said no. Like even though even though people want, he said no, no, no. This is this is a bad precedent. We we can't have more than two terms. Wow. There you go. Yeah. So, I mean, you could even you could even argue that <laughs> it's a bit of a stretch here, but you could almost argue that the turning point in in in, uh, in corporate America was. Uh, when Teddy Roosevelt, uh, or, sorry, Frank Franklin Delano Roosevelt came in, and he's one of the first. He was, I think, he was the first president to basically go more than two terms. Yeah, I mean, but causality correlation. I mean, it's impossible. That would be a very weak argument. You'd need more. I said it was a stretch. I said it, it was is, a stretch. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. At the end of the day, it's just like. I just know so little about this subject that I feel unqualified to even have an opinion on it, to be honest. <laughs> what are we talking about? Like, what's the subject? On what's, what type of government is best? How much uh, should you optimize for the state versus the individual? God, man. That's just like... It's, it's big questions. Yeah. The, the, the thing is, though, is that I, I don't know if you need to be qualified to... to qualified meaning... Offer spend, your opinion. Yeah, 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 but qualified meaning... I just don't think... I've spent the time that I'd like to spend on forming opinions about this to have an opinion that I think is worthy to share. Why did you bring it up then? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, which one? What are you talking about? Uh, John. Wait, you, you, well, you brought up Changing World Order by Ray Dalio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To, to like, book. It's, it's excellent. Yeah. But, but why, why would you bring it up if you didn't want to talk about it? <laughs> Such a shit disturber. Oh, I, I brought it he, up. I don't think he brought it up. I think he. Uh, I brought it up he, to explain the difference. Like you're talking about euthanasia, right? And you're talking about the, yeah. the price of per bed. I was just explaining to you, just like Ray Dalio said, it seems like here we're optimizing for choice and the individual rather than the state. That that was actually the only thing I was just adding. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think that? You could be the prime minister, John. No. Why not? I 
I just wouldn't trust myself with that kind of responsibility. Mm. What about you, Emma? See, that's wise. No, same thing. I remember you telling me one day, though, a couple years ago, that you, like, you're... You're talking about John or Austin? Emma. That you were, you know, wanting to put yourself in situations that required extreme leadership and ownership, which you have, right? Uh, you know, doing all of Landmark. I think you had completed Landmark before you were 20. Um, you know, you've ran a couple of successful businesses and coach business. Like you were trying, you told me once you were just like, I'm trying to put myself in a position where I have to take extreme ownership and be a renowned leader. And, uh, you know, I always have this thought in my mind of maybe one day being prime minister. Well, yeah, one I, day is a different thing than right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, no. Well, that's difference. actually what I yeah. thought. I didn't mean right now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at. Uh, Hold I, on. Do you mind I, if I, I just get Amber's thought on that? Because I. Yeah. Yeah. If, if I was prime minister, as I've been going through, like, let's say I was forced into prime minister you, position. You did say that, right? Years. I didn't have an aneurysm. Like you no, did. Not use... at all. Not at all. One of no, my life, know, one of my life goals. Will, his goal was yeah. to become prime. One of my life goals was to become the prime minister. I don't know if that's still there, but I, I can tell you that um, as the years rolled by, I've been finding all these people in my life that if I was forced in that position, they would be in my board. Like you guys would be in, in the board of directors, like right. no problem. And I would constantly have, I don't know, I think like you would be uh, like, Austin, you'd be the minister of education and in my cabinet, you know, like. I would want somebody like you in that position. Um, yeah. Okay. I don't even yeah, know what I the mean, hell that person. If, does, if I was forced to be prime minister, I think I would get Jordan Peterson in there for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can just get anybody to help you out, and that's what I would I'd do. Probably get Jordan Peterson in there. I'd I think a successful, pa- good old Jimmy Patterson. Yeah. Get I think a successful, a successful prime minister. I think is like. A successful delegator. What's that quote you once sent me, John? About like uh, one of the presidents. I don't know if I read it on my own, but there was a president. Was this Henry Ford? No, no, it it was a president in the United States. Was Henry Ford a president? No. No, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Well, but there was a president that came in and like first day in the office, within the first hour of like being sworn in, his secretary like gave him a bunch of papers that he needed to read. And he's like, I don't need to do this. And then he like reshaped the entire. This was an ego is the enemy. Actually, I just remembered. Um, and he started like he, he wasn't working that much as the, pri- as the president. And that was like a criticism. But like in reality, his role is to just make like a couple of decisions a day that others could not do. But he wanted his yeah, entire. Yeah, I'm not familiar which which president that is. I mean, I, I'm guessing it is probably Lyndon Johnson or. He came from a military yeah. background. I remember that. Oh, um, yeah. I, I don't know if this guy was president. Uh, I think you're talking about um, John McCain. Maybe let me let me pull it up while you guys. Um, but yeah, yeah, John, I'm curious about about you. Like Austin's question, would you would you one day be prime minister? No, I think I'd like to, uh, it's kind of, in some ways, it's almost an archaic idea to like have, you know, like this, like one central human that's like going to rule over, you know, like, like I know Austin, like you've, you listen to the Joe Rogan podcast a lot, right? 
And Joe says this a lot. Where I like, know you should have a ridiculous. collective group of, there should be like the president of finance, the president of education. No, I actually really like what Elon Musk has said on this topic, which is that we have, or it seems like we have the technology now that we could all make collective votes. Like the same way that you can have a Twitter poll. So give me an example as to how the system would work on collective votes. Because like, would everyone be able to vote on every decision? Is that what you're saying? I don't know if the decisions of the state would necessarily be done this way, but specifically laws. Like, so right. laws that are going okay. into place. Elon Musk. But I liked what he said where it's like, in order to get a law voted in, like, in, in, you know, the, the, uh, these were not like, te- like, you know, very specific things that he said, but, or as in like, I don't, th- I don't know if they were in- meant to, or intended to be like the final state of his thoughts. But he was like, you know, maybe maybe it's the case that like in order to get a law enacted, you need a lot more vote. Like you need like, you know, you need like 80% consensus to add a law. But to remove a law, you'd only need like 40% consensus. Yo, so you know? uh, do you mind if I, I just pulled up this article where he's talking about this? Uh, I'll read a quote. Yeah, yeah, read it. It's, it's, um, it's a, I, I really liked what he said. So, but just so we're clear, this was on the, this was in the, um, the situation of him speaking about what type of government he would want on Mars. Mars. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah. Like I've thought about, I've heard about Mars being explored before, but I never once thought like, Oh wow. Yeah. If we do explore it, we do need a government there. You know, like that's crazy. Yeah. Like you literally well, it's need an interesting point of like what, 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 like what government are we going to have in the metaverse too? Well, yeah, we've already been debating that in the, uh, in the Patreon chat heavily um which i don't know i just I, I literally feel like my grandfather felt when i tried to explain to him what facebook was when people try to explain to me like advanced thoughts on uh the metaverse um it doesn't really seem like it's that complicated though i mean i'm well, not talking about the infrastructure itself being no i know you mean but like the actual yeah. idea of it doesn't seem much like that doesn't seem like that complex of an idea i have a friend um his name's jared and uh him and i we work out together every every few weeks and i always enjoy his co- my conversation with him because he's actually like pretty integrated already in quote unquote the metaverse okay and he was telling me you know just just like just like basic stories right like you know like he he has a pretty let's say uh like a uh a rather expensive heads it's not like it's not like an oculus it's right. it's a much more expensive version and he has to like plug it into his pc so it's like the real deal right and it's like the nerd that like the like yeah, geek, yeah you know yeah, kind of version, yeah. right and uh you know he's told me stories of like him you know being you know hanging out with some some people like in you know in, in quote unquote in the metaverse and and uh you know someone saying hey let's let's go to this you know this this like party that i know that's happening right now and he's like sure so the person like throws down a portal and they all walk through it which then initiates like a loading screen of course to the next spot they're all going to and then it like loads the world of where this party's happening, right? Or this map, quote unquote. And it's like an alleyway, you know, like you like you would see like maybe like an alleyway like in New York City where there's all like the you know the the staircases coming down the sides of the you know the fire escapes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they walk down the staircase on the side of one of the buildings to the basement, and they walk in, and sure enough, it's like this crazy you know nightclub that they're all in. And you know, he looks over and he sees SpongeBob talking to like Master Chief, right? And 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 there's all these people <laughs> dancing and partying in there, right? And and then at one point he said, like, you know, he was even in this nightclub and he was like looking around because he couldn't see his friends. Like he was like trying to be like, where the fuck do they go? You know? 
And this is an experience that he's having right now, like already, like this is not, you know, now are the graphics, you know, lifelike? No, but it's there. Like he's, he's, it's happening. Like he's spending time in the metaverse. Yeah, the game right? is called VR chat. I'm very familiar it is, with yeah. Very, very yeah, popular. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's just insane to me. Like the first thought I have, because I want to read this quote from Elon Musk here, but the, the one thought yeah. I have always about the metaverse is like, okay, so you buy and sell real estate there, but isn't there just an endless supply of land? Well, like, but, why but, would but, anyone but value I mean, a piece of real estate? On, but technically, well, hold on. Technically, there's an endless supply of land in, in, um, in the real world as no, well. No, that's I mean, not true. Endless in the, well, hold on. Endless in the sense that, I mean, effectively, there's a lot of unused land that has very little utility. I mean, ultimately, where clusters of humans end up gathering for various reasons end up being right. more valuable. Like, there's tons and tons of land that's unused in Africa, for example. Like, just tons of land, right? Right. Okay. But that's but in here, Africa. Let me, no, hold on. Let me pitch you on why I think a digital nightclub is significantly, okay, think about this, significantly more valuable in a lot of ways than, or at least a popular nightclub is significantly more valued than a pop in the metaverse is more valuable than one in the, in the real world. It's a pretty simple argument. Okay. Um, although I haven't been tested on this, so I'm curious to see what you guys' counter arguments to do this, but like, okay. So, and obviously the value changes based on which city you're in, but let's just use Kelowna as an example. Okay. So there's like one major nightclub in Kelowna. Okay. It's called Gotham. Okay. It used to be called level before COVID and it's like reasonably popular. Now it's only really generating revenue on Thursday, uh, Fridays and Saturdays, that's right. sort of like three days a week. So three out of seven days. Okay. Mainly because most people's lives in Kelowna are based around a seven day work week. Right. Mm -hmm. So Thursday is college night for college kids. Mm -hmm. Friday, Saturday is kind of more or less everyone else that wants to come to the nightclub. Okay. Right. Now, their clientele are only people that are geographically located in Kelowna. So like, as in someone in Hong Kong, unless they fly to Kelowna, they're not going to the nightclub in Kelowna. Okay. It's just not, it's non-existent. Okay. Like they, their clientele are only people that are within maybe, you know, a 30 kilometer radius of, of their physical location. Okay. Not only that, there's a physical capacity, like they can maybe fit like, I don't know, 250 people in there. So at max, you know, best thing, 250 people in this place. Okay. Now every single person's experience, give or take is within the same world. Like, so what, like what I see is what you see. I mean, obviously like where I stand in the nightclub is going to alter mm -hmm. what I see versus, you know, where you stand. But, you know, as far as that advertisement on the wall or, you know, there's no custody. I can't customize anything. If you want to re, mm. if you want to reshape the nightclub, it's extremely expensive. Like it, you know, we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars potentially to do renos on on this thing. Okay, um, not only you have the liability of people actually getting physically hurt, and you know, there's tons of liability there. Um, you know, people doing drugs, quote unquote, all these different illegal things that can happen. Okay, so that's yeah, kind of roughly the the night the home. You know, plus you have to pay a mortgage. The upkeep is incredible. I mean, not only do you have to own the land, so you have like think about how much you have to have invested in this as well. I mean, like there's probably at least a million dollars or more invested. I mean, if they hold the lease, or sorry, if if they own the property, then they probably have over well over a million dollars invested in this nightclub. If they don't own the uh, 
the the lease they probably have less than a million dollars but then they also have long-term liability in the sense that they probably have like i don't know a 10-year lease on it and it's probably you know it, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in, in debt you know in the sense of mm-hmm. uh, long-term capital leases now think about this too you could be 18 years old who's really good you know 17 years old and you could be a nightclub owner in the metaverse because you're really good at coding and you're and you're really creative okay and your only investment is really your time and then maybe whatever the server space is, which is probably not a lot, okay? And if it ends up being a booming nightclub, your capacity is effectively infinite. As in, think of it like as in you own a server in Minecraft. How many how many servers can you have? As many as you want, really. There's no limit. So maybe maybe you deem that, okay, once there's more than 100 people in the nightclub in the metaverse, then it's it's you should cap that out so that the next the next room is spawned so that people join that one so that it's not like just like you know a million people all in one nightclub right the other thing too is that it's actually it can be free to go to the nightclub so from the user side you know because if you want to go to the nightclub in Kelowna it's like there's a cover charge right and then on top of it you know the whole reason what you're doing is because you're drinking right so it's like if you're going there there's social pressure right in in the metaverse version, it could be free to get in. You may not have to pay anything. Why? Because it might be funded just by advertisements. But not only that, if you're the nightclub owner, think about this. If you're the nightclub owner in Kelowna, you have not you don't really have that much control over who's coming to your nightclub. Or you don't you don't you don't know anything about them, right? Like if you're a nightclub owner in Kelowna, you don't just like when someone enters, you don't just like pull up their like their profile and you know everything about them. But guess what? If if your net, if your uh, nightclub is on the Meta Reality Labs platform, you can leverage all of the uh, information and data that's already been collected by Facebook or Instagram or WhatsApp or whatever. And so you can set up a nightclub, and you can actually do way better for society. Because think about this: I mean, I met Trish in a nightclub, which was a total fluke. But imagine there's algorithms that say, "Oh, these people and and you know these males and these females, they're all very compatible." based on our algorithm. So we're gonna put them all in the same room because they're more likely to actually have fun together, right? As in, oh, we're gonna have a nightclub full of people that are all have a similar interest so they can all get along, right? So you can actually, right? Then also once you're in the nightclub too, the advertisements you see are not necessarily the same as the advertisements everyone else sees. Like for me, maybe on the walls, there's a bunch of advertisements for, I don't know, I'm just going to make up something. Smith like, & Wesson. Uh, Patagonia. Yeah, Patagonia or Smith & Wesson advertisements. But that doesn't impact, because I see those advertisements, someone else who's in that same room, those same banner ads or those same, you know, the, the, the poster on the wall that's digital is different. So the advertisements are all tailored to them, right? So- you can and, and, and there's infinite scalability to that, right? So, long story short, you can see why it would be pretty appealing to own a nightclub in the metaverse that's popular, right? Now, is the durability of that asset the same as the durability as the physical world asset? No, but the mm. investment cost is also much lower as well. Like, I don't mm. know if there's necessarily going to be some sort of night. You know, there's not as much of a moat around it potentially. Um, but maybe there is. I mean, the same way that I mean, Call of Duty is a pretty popular fucking first-person shooter. Like, mm-hmm. you know, who's going to own the Call of Duty of nightclubs in the metaverse? It's probably going to be a pretty valuable asset, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's my pitch on it. What do you think? Your pitch is sound, but you failed to talk about luck. Because when you have a low barrier to entry, like you do in the online space, to have people congregate to one location 
is extremely rare. Okay, yes and no. And and this actually brings up what I was going to talk to you about, Amber, today, which is why is it that it, you can invest in unprofitable unprofitable businesses but have it be a profitable investment? And this has always been something that I've kind of been close-minded to, but also I've always been like, oh, this is I've, – I've always just labeled as, oh, that's so stupid. You know, all these people investing in these businesses that aren't making money. Like you guys have heard me say things like that, right? But never once did I ask myself – the, the you know why that's the case right like it's kind of a bold claim to think that there's all these stupid people in the world that are just all buying these companies that don't make money like obviously what are, what are they seeing that i'm not right and so the interesting thing about the nightclub example is that yes and no there's a less a luck aspect to it it's not luck if you say to everyone hey come to our nightclub and we'll pay you ten dollars to come to come to our club like what if there's actually like what if the economics of the metaverse are actually the reverse of the physical world. In the physical world, you have to pay $10 to get in the nightclub. What if in the metaverse, it's you gain $10 by going to the nightclub? And you're thinking, well, that's stupid. Why would anyone do that? Well, not necessarily, because if there's a network effect to, because, okay, so if you join the metaverse nightclub and there's and you're the only person in the room, there's not really any benefit. Oh, but if there's a the hundred people in there- network effect? I'm with you. I'm like, I'm like, as yeah. if I'm in your brain. I totally yeah, yeah. understand this. But there's also, but there's also an economies of scale to it potentially as well. As in, if if you have the 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 most successful nightclubs in the metaverse already, you probably have the most resources to then set up the next most successful nightclub. Like you'll, you know, like the same way that Call of Duty, you know, they're able to sink tons of money into the next call of duty and and, it, and it's, it's a franchise they can return to constantly right but but the network effect is very interesting when you think about a, a, a digital nightclub because um there you could you could build an exclusivity as well right as in like have you guys ever played uh habo hotel you guys ever hear that yes dude i'm just thinking like think about how the strange the interactions habo are on habo hotel. hotel it's it's this it's this like it's like club like penguin it's kind of like it was like <laughs> it was kind of like a club penguin but but it was much more materialistic, I would say, and much more exclusive than Club Penguin. Because the thing about um, Habo, okay, wait, I mean, if you don't know Habo Hotel, then it's kind of, I'm going to be kind of speaking about something that won't make sense. But think of it this way. Imagine you join a nightclub, okay? And you're in this room and Jordan, Pe Jordan Peterson's in this digital nightclub. So imagine this, imagine some digital nightclub owner pays tons of money to have Jordan Peterson in the nightclub, right? How many people are going to want to join that nightclub? tons of people right well which business is going to be able to afford to have uh th this jordan peterson because i mean think about it this way in it in in the physical world if you want jordan peterson I, I i you know you know paris hilton you could party digitally with paris hilton or you know whoever you know but but so the nightclub owner is paying a fixed cost to have a quote-unquote celebrity and take in mind the celebrities that we have in the physical world are not necessarily the same celebrities we're gonna have in the digital world i mean imagine pewdiepie is gonna mm -hmm. go to the party right or imagine a digital concert right where so the digital concert is similar to the nightclub example but it's even more compelling because think about this i mean so you look at like a you look at like a Travis Scott, right? Or I don't know, I don't know who's who's a popular music. Travis Scott, right they did it with Fortnite already, where they had a digital concert. On oh, okay, Fortnite. well, I didn't know that. Okay, well, there you go, there you go. So, okay, well, look at Travis Scott, right? So Travis Scott could have a performance, right, in the metaverse, but unlike having, you know, let's say, you know, a five-acre field that you can fill people with, 
the limitations are effectively infinite because you could have multiple certainly the same way that you know in call of duty everyone's playing on the same map hey, john john not, were you never aware of the travis scott Fortnite collaboration that they did no add it to the list of things to search up after it's gonna blow your I mind i will no they I will. did this they already no, did this oh okay well there you go okay well i mean but this makes sense that they've already done this because it's so obvious like the same way that yeah. like without knowing it it was obvious to me i'm sure it was obvious to someone much smarter than me like because if you think about it, it's like if you have a five acre field, you know, like I'm thinking about, again, Kelowna, there was a, a center of gravity concert, right? But think about the risks involved in that. There was a, there was a 13 year old child that died in Kelowna at center of gravity because she got basically like, uh, like OD'd, but like she like got dehydrated and like got trampled on or something like that. So she died, right? That there's no risk of that in the metaverse, right? You're not going to get trampled or whatever, right? But maybe there's other unknown risks, but point being the same way that in Call of Duty, you can have everyone playing on the same map quote unquote but in separate in separate i don't even know dimensions i guess you could call it servers yeah right um yeah servers right so but the experience is the same as far as the map is the same right so the same thing travis scott rather than selling out to you know like travis scott could have a, a concert with 10 million people and it could be free <laughs> right that, that happened I don't, i'm not sure austin can you look up how many people showed up to the travis scott Fortnite party but but think about this though. But but so then but this this makes it um, in an economy as a scale because you're now this is the Netflix thing in this book this book that I read by the way is such it's one of the most important books I've ever read in my entire life. I mean all the things it said were incredibly obvious, but it's is it so seven it, powers? It, it, yeah, it's so good, man. But anyway, so there's an economy as a scale there because who twelve point three million people? Yeah, dude, that's 3. fucking insane, right? Because I mean, think about it. I mean how much look up the largest uh concert in in human history physically i think it was uh, i think it was 150,000 no, no i think no, it was no, probably no. bohemian rhapsody right or queen 100 no, no, you know no. at, i think it was a burning man man really oh yeah yeah burning or maybe boonstock or whatever or uh, what's woodstock Wood, yeah, woodstock woodstock half a million people i think showed up one time yeah okay but point uh, being though three, nowhere close to 12.3 million it was um Rod Stewart, the music superstar, owns the world record for the largest concert of all time, performing in front of 3.5 million people. Where was this? Where? On Copacabana Beach on New Year's Eve in 1994. <laughs> what? what? Yeah, what dude, what? <laughs> dude, Rod Stewart, my, don't you think I'm sexy, baby? Yeah, What's yeah. up? Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. Holy shit. And then there's another one. Oh, yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. That's God. the one I was thinking Look of. at this, dude. <laughs> I don't know if those stats are accurate. Yeah, These I don't are know. Like crazy. These are crazy photos. Fuck. There's so many pop-ups. Okay, but either uh, way, anyways, yeah, anyways, we anyways. don't need to look at all this. Okay, anyways. but point being, though, okay, nowhere close. To, I mean, we're talking four times. Like for the first concert to ever happen in the metaverse, it was four times the world record yeah. previously, right? And that's the first concert. Like, what was the first concert in, in in the physical world? Four people, like the guy fucking his, you know, his wife and his parents, like you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> Your wording there was really bad, but I understood. What you're saying. <laughs> well, but, but but you get the point, though. Is that? Yeah. The, the 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 limit there's so many limitations that we have in the physical world and and but the but the main thing though that that i that i really like about it though is that the experience of the user can be so far superior because there's less obviously physical danger 
but also it can be free. Like you can, you can go to it and not have to pay a monetary amount. Yeah. They did another one with Ariana Grande and what they did for Travis Scott and Ariana Grande was you can attend the concert for free, but if you wanted to purchase exclusive outfits of theirs on your digital avatar, that's where all the money was made. Well, the UFC is dropping an NFT. They're doing like, you know, like the same way you could buy baseball cards. You're, you're able to buy NFT packs. So it's like short clips that you would digitally own uh, from yeah. UFC fights. And they're dropping the NBA them has on done March that. 24th. Yeah, dude. Yeah, but the, like, the NBA did that. I can see the value in that. Like for sure. I mean, you know, look, at, am I going to go buy some NFTs? No. I mean, the same way I'm not going to go buy some baseball cards, right? Like it's just not like it's just not my thing, right? But but uh, what do you think is going to be the I most valuable? That, I think the Masvidal flying kick is going to go as like one of the oh top for the three. UFC. Yeah, hundred percent. No, no, it'll be something really obscure. You know, like something like um, the Masvidal kick would be pretty valuable. But the thing is, is Masvidal is not like in the grand scheme of things. Like, give it ten years, I don't think he's that big of a fighter. Like, I know that he had yeah. a bit of a, a bit of a, a rise, and a, he wasn't like he's not. You know, I think. Um, probably connor tapping out yeah one of the Connor's most valuable ones no i don't think so no i think one of the most valuable ones will be connor knocking out uh jose aldo that'll be a big one um yeah in 13 seconds yeah oh that one because yeah. it's the full clip because the whole nft could be the full fight that's pretty you know that's pretty unique because it's a full fight wait clip, there's no time right? limit on these clips well, no, but I'm just saying like a five hour NFT, I don't think would be as valuable as a 13 second one that's, oh. you know, that packs the, the NBA does more. it for like know. three seconds. So it's like LeBron dunking or Steph Curry. Throwing but that's my pass. point, though, is that if you can get an NFT that captures the entire intensity, you know, because like technically, like, you know, there's there's fights where someone, you know, like someone beat, you know, a big name and it's like the whole fight was epic. But like, there's not like a three second clip that's super valuable, you know, but to have a NFT, okay, but I think that um, uh, uh, if you're talking about like a, f- a full fight, then some of the original ones would probably be really valuable. Um, uh, okay, hold on. Let's just Diego go back to Sanchez this. Sanchez versus uh, Ray Gouda, or uh, yeah, that's yeah. One of the I, I, I don't know. Of I don't know all the old UFC, but okay, okay. Like, I get your point now, which is you can pay and have a loss leader to get people in so you can create a network effect like uber the reason it loses money is because it's like you need to pay uber might not be the best example though interesting enough uber might be a failed power dynamic what do you mean well i don't think uber has a network effect what talking about man the more people that download the app the more people use it the more drivers exist feeds back on itself the more cities sign up the more people use definitely there's a network effect what are you on man uber is a prime example sorry sorry let me just kind of define how this book defines okay so yeah there has to be a benefit and a barrier okay so the benefit is obviously to a network effect is that the more users you have okay the better the service the more valuable it is to every user right um, I would argue that there's massive diminishing returns yeah. though, to the to the Uber example. Yeah, but but okay. So you are right though because I'll give you an example of how uh, a company in Kelowna doesn't have a network effect going for it yet, and so it's not very. There's no Uber in Kelowna, unfortunately. But 
there's a tag, there's a taxi company called current taxi, but they only have 14 taxis. So I have their app and whenever I fucking try and schedule anything with them, they're never available. So I just, I stopped using them and I just use Kelowna taxi, which has like a hundred taxis. So every time I go to their app, there's always a taxi available. So you're right in the sense that Uber is more valuable than a startup because, you know, you don't want to have to like fucking track down, like with, you know, if you go to Uber, you know, you're going to get a taxi ride. Right. So you are right in the sense that that's, but, but, uh, whether that so you can have a network effect but not get power and how he defines power which i think is just the simplest way of putting it is that it what power is and a power dynamic is in his opinion is is the ability to produce more free cash flow than your competitors by either being able to reduce costs or charge more so for like example amazon well here's a very yes but here's a more you know because that's a complex one here's a really clean example coca-cola they have a branding power dynamic, okay? So there's companies that have brands that don't necessarily have a power dynamic. Like, so for example, you know, everyone may know, like, I don't know what, uh, what's an example of a brand? Um, I don't know. Mercedes? Um, no, because Mercedes would probably have, because take in mind, um, you can have multiple, br- like, so brand, the power dynamic of branding is not exclusive. Like, so some are exclusive, but some aren't not, like not all powers are exclusive as in there can be multiple companies that have a great brand. So for example, Coca-Cola and Pepsi, they both have great brands, right? But they're able to charge significantly more than a lot of their competitors because of that brand. Like, so for example, if you go down to the store and you see Coca-Cola and it's oh, selling like for Vuitton. a dollar a can, Louis Vuitton has a great brand, right? Has a great brand. Um, and, but you're, but you're willing to pay significantly more for a Louis Vuitton. I mean, that's why L- LVMH. So Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy is one of the most valuable companies. He's the second richest man in the world, Bernard Arnault, right? I think he's third. Jeff Bezos, Elon. Then Dude, I, look at man. It changes everything. <laughs> some slack, okay. <laughs> okay, so, but so, um, but he, but so he's. I, I think he's the largest shareholder in LVMH. But point being, though, um, Louis Vuitton, Moet, Hennessy, right? Those are all brands that that ha- the brands they have a brand power dynamic, right? So, but it's not exclusive. Um, we're, going back to the Uber, though. Uh, is Uber able to charge more than Lyft or are they like, for example, if Uber, hold on, hear me out though, Amr, hear me out. If I go to a city, okay, I might be more likely to use Uber, but I don't know if they can charge more than, um, than a competitor. Like, I don't know if I'm willing to use Uber if it's like 30% more. I yeah. agree. Okay. I see what you mean. Do you see what I'm saying? So I don't know if there's a power dynamic there. And if there is, like there, there might be, and I'm unaware of it, because take in mind, I'm not the best example for Uber because I don't we don't have Uber in Kelowna. But I know that when I go to Vancouver, for example, I use Uber. So I mean, you know, like I I don't go I don't go download anyone else's ta- you know, taxi app, right? Like I don't I don't bother to check the price, right? Because I trust Uber. So maybe there is some branding power. I would say there might be some brand power there, but I don't know if the networking effect is their power. You know? Yeah, airlines suffer from the same problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, airlines. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that one's tough. There's there's a lot of tough businesses that don't necessarily develop power, right? Because there's no barrier to entry, right? Like, 
try and compete against Coca-Cola. Good fucking luck, right? Coca-Cola also has an economy as a scale power dynamic in the sense that because they uh, generate so much revenue and they're so profitable, they're also able to spend the most money on advertising. So there's no way that anyone's ever going to catch up to Coca-Cola in branding, right? It's just not going to happen, right? Now, Coca-Cola's biggest threat to their brand is changing uh, consumer demand. So, you know, there's a massive push against sugary pops, right? So that's where Coke Zero is becoming more popular. Aha, you know, they're, they're trying mm-hmm. to get away from the sugary drinks. So, you know, we'll see if, but, but as far as the word like Coca-Cola, that's one of the most valuable trademarks in the entire world. I know I agree. So, so tell me, what did you figure out about investing in non-profitable businesses? Is it just that dynamic of network effect? No. So there's, um, yeah, well, the networking effect is interesting because if it develops power, now, now this is not mean that I'm going to go buy, rush out to go buy a bunch of businesses that are, <laughs> because there's a lot of businesses that could have a network effect that may not develop power. You see the danger there? It's not, it's not just because you have, your business may have a network effect, but if you don't develop power, then it may not, it's, it's probably not a very good investment, right? But you don't know if it's going to develop power, right? Like it's, it's, it's hard How do you to find say, that out? Right? Pardon me? How do, how do you find that out? Well, like, so for example, I believe that Smith and Wesson to some degree has brand power because they have a higher profit margin and a higher return on invested capital than their competitors, right? And I believe that's because of their branding, right? So um, Intel also has, you know, higher profitability than most of its competitors. Um, the only exception to that is uh, Taiwan Semiconductor. Um, but like, if you look at, so here's an interesting example, actually, because I know Amr, I know that you, you have a someone that you know who's invested in AMD. And and they were talking about the comparison to Intel. Well, what's interesting is that Intel has a massive economies of scale advantage that, and as well as a um, uh, so reduced cost, but they also have a... Um, well, I mean, that, that's the main thing, but they're able to uh, generate much more profit or they're much more profitable than AMD is because of that, right? And AMD, despite all of their attempts, has never been able to catch up to Intel because they're just always behind. They're, they're, not, able to, they're not able to make as much money because they're not at the scale uh, that Intel's at, right? And they, and they probably never will be in the sense that there's a power dynamic that still exists, right? Like if you go look at the two companies, Intel's for the same amount of revenue is just making way more money. And because they make more money, they can build more factories. And because they can build more factories, they can reduce their costs. And because they can reduce their costs, they're more profitable and they get more revenue. They can spend more on advertising, right? So AMD just is, they're just, they're never going to catch up, right? Like, or it doesn't seem like there's any like clear path to them catching up, right? Although this goes back full circle to our conversation at the beginning about Boeing, because Boeing was leaps and bounds ahead of every single other airline, um, every single other uh, aerospace engineering business, and Airbus caught up to them and passed them. So because enough, because I would they say just they lost their brand, right? Yeah. Well, they well yeah they didn't lose their brand. They they got bought. Well, share, uh, brand dilution. They got bought and well, they merged with another company. And then the oh, way that those right. companies, the way that that CEO came in and managed, um, 
Boeing is that they really started, they went public, they started treating them a lot more like a stock. They were trying to see how can we simply increase the value of the company? Well, it so happens to increase the value of the company, you need to try and cut costs and be as cost efficient as possible. And what was making Boeing such an amazing safety prioritized company is that they had just an exorbitant amount of staff who really cared, worked a ton and didn't necessarily do so in the most cost effective way. So the new people just came in and quote unquote trimmed the fat and well, yeah, and then and then so everyone got pissed off and you actually would get in shit if you reported a problem to someone. Um, if you reported that there was a manufacturing error or that something didn't pass a quality check or a safety check, you would get in trouble because you were reporting issues. And so like, well, so and so that's what eventually led to their demise because they they kept fighting internally and they and, and Airbus just was like, screw you, I'm going to make. I'm going to take over the market and then perfectly timed. They introduced a new efficient airplane. And at the same time that, oh, anyway, whatever it's, it's no, no, but it makes sense though. Right. I mean, you, you, you could almost argue that they diluted their brand, right? Because they, their brand was safety. I I don't know Boeing, but let's say their brand was safety and reliability. Well, by cutting costs that they, because they didn't realize the importance of that. Right. So, but if you look at a company like Costco, for example, Costco, um, I'm not necessarily saying that they have brand power because I think their brand is actually attached to their economies of scale. Like, yeah, yeah you know yeah. what I mean? Like it, it's kind of a combination of both, but I wouldn't say that their power dynamic is branding per se. Like, I don't know if you're using Costco because it's Costco, but you're using it because it's cheap and it, the cheapness happens to be Costco. Right. But, but if you think about it though, like they could dilute their brand. Like, so an example at Costco is like, if you want to return something, it's incredibly easy. Their their return policy is open, half eaten. Who cares? I I have a client that works at Costco, and he told me that there's, you know, unethical people now. Of course, Costco tracks your returns, so they can kind of see, hey, you know, you're no longer a member. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. They have the yeah. right to refuse you membership, right? Which right. is actually kind of a brilliant part of their business model. Yeah. but they. Whereas people, Nordstrom didn't have that, right? But, yeah, but people, people so, try and return crap like that they've. Eaten. Well, he yeah, he said that people would buy like paddle boards and then return it at the end of the summer, right? And, and there's no questions asked, right? So now, some unsavvy business executive may come in there and say, "This is ridiculous. We're no longer doing this." But it would, but it would, it would, it would change the customer experience. Right? It would dilute things, right? Or right, you know. You could argue because they're because Costco's profit margin overall is two percent, right? So you could argue that so some corporate and uh, some corporate executive could say, oh well, if we raise it from two to three percent, it's only one percent more, but it's fifty percent more profit, right? Because it's yeah. mm-hmm. and but but the whole barrier to entry to compete against Costco is the fact that the only way that you can make money doing what Costco is doing is if you're doing the volume that Costco is doing. So. There's no way to compete against Costco because the, the whole path up to Costco's revenue is you're losing way too much money all to what get to the point where you're doing Costco's number, barely making you money. Like Costco's barrier to entry is the fact that it's so unprofitable <laughs> to be Costco, <laughs> right? That's like it's, it, the, the biggest moat around Costco is that there's no way you can compete against them. They just, they're just, they're not, they're just so unprofitable <laughs> that you can't get to their scale, right? <laughs> It's actually insane when you put it that way. 
it's really cool, right? But but that's a classic power dynamic of economies of scale. The only way to compete against them is if you're at their scale. Otherwise, you're losing money. Yeah, there's a lot of businesses like that. Well, most most there tech, is, yeah. most tech startups are like that. But sorry, okay, what, can I actually? I want to hit home on that profitable business thing because there's a there's an interesting thing that he brought up in the book, which is like a counter positioning strategy, which I thought was so fucking brilliant, which is basically, and the greatest example of this is Netflix versus Blockbuster, which, which is the example he used in the book, but it's so fucking great. And it's actually, you know, if you think about it, there's a lot of other businesses that maybe have done tons have done a similar strategy. So basically what a counter positioning strategy is, is when you, so there's an existing business, which he calls the incumbent. Okay. So there's, the, the powerful business. So in this case, there's Blockbuster. Okay. And there's a, a new competitor that creates a new business model that competes against the previous business model. Okay. But it's a okay. superior business model. Okay. Yeah. So in this case, you have Netflix that created a DVD by mail. Okay. Now, Netflix always knew that it was going to become a, a streaming service. And, and, they, and it's funny because it's like, Reed Hastings, the CEO, said, that's why we didn't call it Warehouse Flicks. It's called uh-huh. Netflix, right? Like, so, but if you think about it, though, it's a brilliant strategy. And Reed Hastings, by the way, prides himself on the fact that he's a strategist from his Dungeons and Dragons days, and he's a huge board game player. So this is like, this was not like, some people would say, oh, this was accidental. No, no, no. Reed Hastings did this on purpose, right? Mm. So he he positioned himself where they were not making any money or they were effectively losing all uh, losing money. Um, and they were doing a strategy that if it was adopted by the incumbent, it would cannibalize or uh, erode their own business. Model. Oh my God. So I so see, the, I, I never so, viewed so it that Blockbuster, way. I knew the history yeah, of Netflix, yeah. but I never saw it that way. So Blockbuster's choice basically is, <laughs> is, do we do we invest in the new business if it's profitable then yes we would right so so clearly they can say okay well hold on like um you know so if blockbuster chose to follow and invest with doing what netflix was doing which they didn't have any experience in in the online world like netflix does right so they're already at a disadvantage already but if they do they're actually detracting from their own sales which they were because you remember blockbuster was making tons of money right so if you're again, if you're a CEO who's incentivized by stock price, you're gonna make you're not gonna make that investment. You're most likely, and he says there's three stages. There's there's you can milk it. So basically, you enter the milk it phase where you're like, fuck it. Like if we invest in this new thing, we're gonna start losing money. So we're just gonna milk our current business model and just kind of ride it to the ground. Okay. Then there's the delusional, basically, where you're like, there's there's a bias towards not investing in the new thing because you don't want, you know it's like you don't want to be the guy who makes the fucking bad mistake you don't want to be the guy who invests in the wrong thing right so as a CEO you're incentivized to not make that leap of faith because you're like dude I just kind of want to get my stock options and get the fuck out of here like you know like I don't care so either way so if the business is if the incumbent is forced to basically cannibalize their own business it's it's counterpositioned right and so that's where you might want to actually lose money because it makes it less enticing. Because uh, if what's a blockbuster tried competing against Netflix, they would then also have to invest in a losing business. Mm-hmm. So Netflix is gaining all of this market share in this thing that's unprofitable for now. But then, of course, they then had 
in economies of scale, which they, this was kind of more accidental, but once they achieved the power dynamic of economies of scale, Blockbuster had no chance. Okay, so just to make sure I understand what you're saying, Netflix had a business model that was at the time for Netflix unprofitable? Yeah, Netflix didn't make money. I mean, they still barely make money now. I mean, they're, they're still kind of an unprofitable business, but yeah. But when they were doing DVD via mail, it was still unprofitable. Yes. Um, and so they were simply trying to act as like a decoy for Blockbuster to have Blockbuster discount them as a competitor. Yeah, they're like the oh, entire DVD time we have this superior business the, model. The we just sell it in stores. The entire time that was their goal. That wasn't. That didn't happen to be like a. Oh, we were just no happened to distract Blockbuster. So they, they built their business DVD by mail, and they offered the streaming for free. And then once they once they got enough revenue, they started. Then they made deals to add uh, um, uh, like shows and content to their streaming service. But but, but by then, is, let's just say by then, Blockbuster mm-hmm. couldn't join. Could, couldn't no, no, do this, that. So this this was the turning point. This was the turning point. So. Netflix, you know, they their user base was being added not only for the streaming services, yeah. but also for the DVD by mail, yeah. which was kind of superior because, you know, they actually advertised, I don't know if you guys remember, like way back in the day, no late fees. That was their biggest advertisement, no late fees. I don't know if mm-hmm. you guys remember that because everyone hated the late fees, right? We didn't have a blockbuster in Nelson, but we had a movie gallery. And I remember always, my mom would always be so pissed about the late fees, right? Yeah. So... And that was a whole net. That was Netflix's whole thing is that you never get charged a late fee. Yeah. Right. Um, but either way, so, but no, the turning point for Netflix was when they uh, got the economies of scale. So if you have two businesses, Austin, okay, and one has a hundred million users and one has a million users and they both spend a hundred million dollars to acquire content for their streaming service, how much did it cost each, each business? You may say, oh, it cost $100 million each. No, it cost $1 per user for the 100 million user base, and it cost $100 per user mm-hmm. for the $1 million user base. So by the time that uh, Blockbuster was like, yo, we need to get on this shit, it was too late because Netflix could afford to pay way more per user. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. So that was the economies of scale because they paid a fixed rate to to then stream that content to their uh users and like just kind of like this is kind of a side note on that this is how crazy like because when you think about netflix you're like oh it's just streaming through the internet right it's whatever not a big deal do you know that netflix actually like they they edit all of the movies so that like they reduce the amount of uh let's say i think it's called bandwidth that's required to uh to uh to stream so like there might be scenes that like only have clouds but like you may, I only just noticed this recently, but if you watch a Netflix film and you pause frame by frame, there are certain frames that actually have a very ro- low resolution or there's like a lot of like colors that are blurred together because they're reducing the, ki- like, you know, the, or the, the gigabytes of the, or kilobytes of the, of the, of the movie that they stream to you by reducing the quality in weird areas that you wouldn't notice when you're just watching it outright. What the hell? So yeah, if there's, like, if, if like, there's like a close up on somebody's face, the everything but the face is like at like 240p 
or like 480p while a face is like still 4k yeah the important the important scenes are like the highest quality but there's like certain things like that they just they just like basically just blur out or they just like edit in such a way that like it, it, it reduces super weird. the amount yeah it's, it's called uh, video compression yeah compression yeah yeah um i i i'm starting to think like how could you use this as a growing roofing franchise well <laughs> see this is one of the this is one of the interesting things this like decoy like this th there's this there's actually a term in biology called um the sneaky fucker strategy <laughs> and, and I, i'm not kidding told me about this before yeah, yeah, yeah. You said i've this heard before. of this yeah so it's just like how like there's and 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 there is some obviously some uh this is really presented in layman's terms but like the one guy who appears to be homosexual in in communication and in st stereotypically speaking uh tends to speak more feminine hang around women not ne necessarily give off the vibe that they're heterosexual and this happens in the animal kingdom all the time where there's like a submissive male who only hangs out with females and so males no longer view that person or that 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 animal as a threat and then that that male ends up mating with all the females and so it's called yeah. it's called sneaky yeah. fucker like literally yeah. in in biology no, no, books it's it. called I've sneaky it, fucker yeah. approach so um this this know, reminds me of like you're saying this decoy system john you used it's like competitive well, it's, it's not a, it's not so much decoy i mean it's, it is it's, a decoy it's, though it's making it unattractive for the for the incumbent to invest in the business yeah, that it's making it unattractive now. for other males to kick this male's ass to to, to fight for the mating i guess it. so i mean it's a bit of a stretch but i see where you're coming from though yeah i think with the roofing so like so the if you look at the uh, seven, I think the one that's most relevant to a service-based business is brand. Mm -hmm. For sure. Because you've probably noticed that there's not really an economy. There, there's a bit of an economy. I would say there's a bit of an economy as a scale to a painting business or a roofing business. I would say maybe more so with roofing. But in because roofing is not uh roofing is um less of a physical, uh, less of a labor. Yes, it's labor, but the, the majority of the price is, is product, right? The majority of our price can you're asking if that is majority product. of it is material yeah material and product it's yeah. be between the between the type of job it's usually 30 to 60 percent so if it's like a so yes but i would say not always more than 50 percent on metal is it on lifetime roofs rubber metal you're looking at yeah like 60 percent material okay but so whoever buys the most uh metal roofing gets the best price probably right yeah of course yeah. Yeah. So as a franchise system, oh yeah, you guys can we have, have the, the best pricing that exists. Yeah, yeah, but but that allows you to be much more profitable than your competitors. So either one, you can charge a lower rate, or you can charge the same rate and make more money. Well, you know what's actually funny is that sometimes because our business model is actually based in the root of subcontracting, where we get small time subcontractors to come under our wing we teach them our systems and get them to follow our quality protocols and they're already obviously trained on how to install we just need to change them about five to ten percent and they're able to produce um they also market their own business on the side and they try and get roofs on the side right it's like if john it's like if your painters 
were like actively messaging people to no, try I and get, get their own painting jobs. At the end of the day, if that was your market standard, you would have to just accept that these people are going to want to do that no matter what. Because, well, well so, but here's the thing. If they, if you saw your painters going and fighting to get their own job that they would then make like, let's say 15% more on, but they then had to go buy paint at like a, a consumer's price and not get your discount. And you could see them making like a lot less money on their own jobs because they didn't have your pricing. What would you do? Well, yeah, I mean, it makes sense, right? You see yeah. where I'm going with this? But but the one thing, yeah, I see where you're going. But the, the issue that arises in service-based businesses is that in an individual can beat you in the short run yeah. because they don't have overhead. Yo, so, okay, sorry, go on. Well, basically, just like that's where like, the economies of scale are, is, are, is, is kind of there and kind of not there in the service-based. I think the most reliable power dynamic in the service base is your brand. That's the most reliable. And because that alone, people will hire you based on that. Like, you know, people, you know, why do they want to call ProWorks painting? Well, because they know that w- what they're going to get when they hire ProWorks painting. Like in Kelowna, there's branding. Similar to Coca-Cola, not that my brand is as good as Coca-Cola, but, <laughs> but similar to Coca-Cola though, because I have probably the best, you know, maybe other than CertaPro who's been around a lot longer, but the, so our, because our brand is excellent in Kelowna and we have tons of Google reviews, we're able to justify, I mean, and, but it's all predicate. I mean, all that's our brand is based on our quality. So it's not like we're able to charge more because of our brand, but rather we've built a brand of quality that allows us to, for people to rely on that, on that quality. But, um, because we make more money than our competitors and we do more revenue because of our branding, we're also then able to spend more money on advertising and more money on branding, thus improving our brand. And so there's this, there's a term in the branding in, in the book that I think is brilliant, which is that one of the barriers to entry to branding is that there's, there's a time aspect to branding, right? As in, you don't just start up a new company and instantly have a great brand from day one, Right you have to invest money over time. And so there's a leader's advantage in the sense that as long as the leader continues to invest in their brand, you can never catch up just through logic. Or at least it's too costly. Like, I mean, like think about how much money you'd have to spend to catch up to, to Coca-Cola. It would, it would be to the point that it would be unprofitable to do so. So the barrier to entry is that, holy fuck, it's not worth it, right? Now the downside to uh, to painting is that the barrier to entry from a physicality standpoint is just so low. I mean, anybody can just go set up shop. So you have all these guys that join and basically just fizz out, right? Like Amory, you probably see this a lot in the trades business where guys join an industry, they don't do anything right. And they, you know, kind of basically just like eat dirt for three years and then get back out, right? Maybe go work for someone else, right? So that's, that's failed competition, right? In my opinion. I, I know, I, th- I and believe, then, sorry, and then I believe process a- power. I believe there's a point where it's not wise to try and catch up because it, it would make it so that it's virtually impossible to make money if you were. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting that at this unknown spot, it becomes that way. Right. Well, like, it becomes a rat race or it becomes a race for who can build the best brand. Right. Yeah. In a new industry. But I'm saying that, like, at what point? Did it become not profitable for people to compete with Coca-Cola or Pepsi, um, right? something like that? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, 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 that's how, you know, they have a profitable, that's how, you know, they have a yeah. power dynamic, right? There's also another, this one, I think you would also really enjoy, uh, Austin, because it, I know this is kind of your domain, which is process power. So, uh, basically you have a certain system or way of doing mm-hmm. things that's far superior to your competitors and similar to the branding dynamic, there's a time on aspect. So someone isn't going to be able to just learn everything you you know and just create all of your systems tomorrow right because they have to learn how to actually integrate those systems into their business and that's where franchises offer a lot of value to their franchisees is because they come with systems that are already integrated into the business model right and so you could have a massive advantage because you might be much more profitable than your competitors because you can probably have reduced costs because you have a certain way of doing roofs or doing quotes, for example, that allows you to book at a higher rate or, you know, you name it. Right. I feel like a lot of franchises have process power. Well, the best ones should. Yeah. Most franchises really, Sorry, I think yeah, a offer, lot of, a lot should, of best. the best franchises offer these three things, process power through systems, brand power, Tested systems, yeah. brand power, and as well as economies of scale. Yeah, exactly. Like, think about this. Like, for me to send flyers, it costs me, like, I think it's like six cents a flyer to buy mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. But when I get quotes from local suppliers, it's like almost 20 cents yeah. a flyer. So that's yeah. what my competitors have to pay. So I'm getting like one third the price to buy flyers through my franchise. So I'm able to send out three times more flyers, which thus builds my brand more, right? But, but then also, if you look at Pure Air, right? They actually have an interesting thing where they have not only an economies of scale, but also a a process power when it comes to their Google advertising. So they spend so much on Google advertising that they're, you know, they're so optimized for how they can acquire customers because they have so much experience in that through search Kings, but they also have a a process power through this company as well. So if you're just a startup guy, you know, you're not going to be able to have the same Google advertising effect as Pure Air is. It's just not going to work for you the same way. Mm-hmm. You don't have the brand to leverage, right? Hey guys, Austin here. Just wanted to check in mid-episode and thank you so much for your ongoing listenership and commitment to the podcast. We have some of the most enormously positive data with regards to how long our listeners listen to episodes for meaning we can tell the vast majority of our listeners listen right from the first to the last second of the recording which in the world of podcasting is just completely unheard of so we wanted to just stop in here mid-episode and say thank you for being you you guys are absolutely awesome Because of this overwhelmingly positive data over the last two years, we decided it would be a great idea for both us and our listeners to launch a Patreon. A Patreon is essentially a platform that you can subscribe to to get more connected with myself, John and Ammer, and the podcast as a whole. So whether you're a massive fan of the podcast and want to get direct individual coaching from myself, Ammer, or John, or want to just have early access to episodes and chip in a few dollars a month to help us take this podcast to the next level, bring on more guests and provide more value, there are tiers that are built for you, I can guarantee it. 
If you wanted to look into Patreon, get more information about how you could gain more value through the podcast and really augment your listening experience, you can check out our link in our Instagram at the Weekly Call Pod on Instagram or simply press pause on this episode, go into the show notes, click the Patreon link and check out more details about the tiers we have available there. Thanks so much, guys. And thank you so much for continuing to listening to the Weekly Call Podcast. Now back to the episode. Right, yeah. Dell's going to eventually have that brand, right? Well, sometimes yeah. I just think too about like even my time with student works and my, my, now my experience with Rydell is that it, it, it became very obvious to me at some point, just randomly in a meeting with uh, a franchise owner or an operator. And we're talking about the impact of them being more than like them being late to an estimate. Um, you know, and looking at like, what's the impact of being one minute late to a quote? How about two minutes late? How about five minutes late? How about 15 minutes late? How about 30 minutes late? Um, and because I was dealing with someone in particular who I found out like kind of wasn't on time for quotes and we were looking at their booking rate. And I was just thinking like, okay, Is this there a was a franchise owner. No, this was last year. This was with student works, but I was just, I'm getting to the point where we dedicate a 30 minute specific meeting to that person and then a two hour group meeting to a team and then an unlimited support system for them throughout the week. And during that 30 minute meeting, for example, we're talking about, for example, someone's integrity, just as a random example. And we get to the end of the point where they actually fully see how an action in the field has drastically impacted the performance of their business, but they were not present to that at all. And just by virtue of having a conversation like that, and of course, we've all had many conversations like this over time with coaches that we've worked with. I oftentimes think to myself, I'm just like, I don't know this for sure. So this is just a guess, but I would have to imagine that I don't know if there's anyone in my field, in my geog- geographical area, who is playing this big of a game. And what I mean by that is like, yeah like like my like the strainer that my business has to has to go through the holes are like this big you know what i mean like nothing gets you're you're being strategic and they're not well okay but that doesn't sound like that just sounds cocky or boastful right and i don't mean no i I don't think so well no no i don't (laughs) i i know it doesn't but i'm saying if you were to just say that to someone randomly be like i'm strategic the competition is not period that obviously could be the case but what i'm trying to say is it just became present to me that like you're talking about the power of systems. What was that one, John power of like uh, process, power. Pr- process power. There's a process power in the two franchises I've been in. And I imagine it's present in other successful franchises, but I'm just saying that the ones I've been in the process power of structure and accountability and integrity is simply outmatched in every anything I've ever seen. And that is what I think holds the most value for the businesses I've been in personally. Of course, there is brand equity or there is brand power. There is economies of scale. But I think you're going to get that with a lot of different businesses that are in like the, the only, top 25%. The, yeah, the only thing though is that, um, and this is where it can it can be questionable of whether or not it's actually a true power dynamic. Because is it the case that you actually have a power process power 
as a true power dynamic because it's proprietary to your roofing business? Well, we'll find out because Ammer is mm. the one that's testing that, right? Yeah. Because if it's if it's replicatable, then it's not process power. Mm. It's you have a good you have you have good process and you have exceptional. But there's nothing uh, there's nothing unique about it that only we can do. Is what you're saying? Yeah. Right? Like a good example of this is Toyota. Toyota just has unmatched quality, and no matter how much other businesses try and get that, they just can't build a car the same way Toyota can. They just can't. Right? Like Toyota literally fucking brought all of these uh, American uh, auto executives, showed them their factory, built a factory with them, and the Americans just couldn't get it to work the same way, right? Because it was so well integrated into their systems, their employees, every you know, the mindset, everything was so integrated into Toyota's uh, way of manufacturing. It's just, it's just a different thing, right? They just have a different way of doing it. Uh, I would say that another example of process power is uh, uh, Rolex, right? The best fakes in the world can't build a Rolex like Rolex can. There's, you know what I mean? Like there's whole factories set up to try and I- imitate a Rolex as accurately as possible. They just can't do it. Rolex is process, process power, power is process power synonymous with economies of scale? No. No, it's completely different. It's 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 a it's a unique way of doing things such that you're able to either reduce. Uh, I mean, it's usually a reduction of cost. But it can also be not a reduction of cost, but a of a increased quality such that you can charge more. I mean, think about why can Toyota charge? I mean, have you guys seen the cost of a Toyota vehicle? It's fucking super expensive. And yet everyone knows really? Toyota is worth it. Yeah, dude. To- okay, yeah. Well, dude. Okay, look at like go just go type in top. Um, go uh, go to um uh uh I don't know like um compact. Tr- what's what's called a what's the, what's a truck that's not like full size like mid sized truck what's that called? Um, like yeah, go Dodge, like, go, go like Dodge Dakota um, versus uh, Toyota Tacoma in price. There's a significant spread between the two. Yeah, look, it's almost fucking double. <laughs> it's almost fucking double. No, it is. Yeah, it's basically it's basically double, right? Oh my god. So Wait, why on. is but why is Toyota able to charge double? Maybe maybe it's a, a unfair comparison, but go top versus top. Is that what you're gonna do? Yeah, but still, it's not even close. Yeah. So the most expensive Dodge. What's the go to the Toyota? Go to the lowest one. Yeah, but look look at the years, guys. Like the years are just. Oh gone. my god! Oh. Okay, why is this twenty ten? <laughs> oh, because they don't make no, no, them I anymore. Was, I think that's new. I think that's new. They don't make them anymore. Um, okay, well, you do a different comparison. Point being, though, is that I'm pretty sure that there's a massive spread for Takoya. I, I know for a fact there's a massive spread between. Uh, Let's do any, like you know, Chevrolet, Ford, Ford Colorado, Ranger, Ford Ranger. No, you can go Ford Ranger. Uh, I think Ford Ranger's po- like a. John, John, John. Process power comes from it's one of the seven powers, right? Yeah. Okay. You can get a lariat. <laughs> That's crazy. So go the top model for each. Go the most expensive. Yeah, I got Ford. Yeah, lariat, four wheel drive. So. Why is, Why is that so messy? Oh this is God. the worst website, dude. 
Yeah, it is. It's forty four zero seven five. Okay, so anyway, anyway, so they're able to charge in this case. Uh, uh was that just over ten percent more, basically, thirteen uh, percent more. This is in American, by the way, too. The prices are so much higher in Canada. Yeah, but but you see what I mean by process power there, where clearly they're able to make such a far superior vehicle that people are willing to pay more for that quality, right? Yeah. I love it. Um, yeah. And Amber, the reason why process power is not synonymous with economies of scale is because you can have process power such that you have lower cost than your competitors, but not have economies of scale, if that makes sense. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. I gotcha. But usually with economies of scale comes process power. No. Like, when you have more money. But that has nothing to do with process. Like it's a certain Yeah, but you can invest of, you can invest in a, in the best process. Not necessarily though. Yeah. I think I'm confused yeah. by this. Well, economies of scale is a volume-based power in the sense that you have the most buying power effectively, right? Okay. Yeah, okay. But process I, I, I power is, is is a unique dude. It's such an incredible book. It's and it's it's like I said. I mean, I I was I was speaking very. But by the way, I guess we should mention to everyone listening to this. I read a book recently called Seven Powers: The Foundations of Business Strategy, which sounds like one of those just like super sloppy business books that's not very good. I'm gonna reread it tomorrow. That's how incredible this book is. Like it's 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 so phenomenal. <laughs> It's it's a book that's like worth, you know, it's one of the few books that you want to study, not read. You know what I mean? And it's not even things that are, you know, when you're reading it, it's it's obvious, yet so powerful. And if you're a math geek, you're going to love it even more because he writes out the exact formula <laughs> to each power dynamic, which is incredible. Because basically the way he outlines it from a mathematical perspective is that each power should have a price point where your competitors make zero while you still make money. And that, that spread is the power dynamic. So, you know, if Toyota was to charge, what's, what's the point that they could charge a number that their competitors wouldn't sell a single product basically. Right. Or would make, uh, or rather would make zero dollars. Seven powers by Hamilton W. Helmer. <laughs> it's a worse name. I know. Yeah. Wow. All right, uh, I, I would love to jump to uh, Whack versus Wives. Yes, can I pick it. the song this time? Because I feel like I've gotten like you know jipped off on that a few times. No, yes. no jibbing, just Siri. Pick a number between one and two, John. No, no, no. <laughs> I want to pick the song. Okay, then can I pick the quote? I have a quote ready. Wow, I think you got to <laughs> let John pick it. No, he can pick the song, but I want to pick the quote. I feel like, I, feel like I, I, you know, I, the thing is, is that picking the quote was never up on the table. Oh, who, who said picking the song was ever put was put up on the table? Well, there's a precedent because you, you've never. There's times where you haven't picked the song, but there's never been a time where I haven't picked the quote. So I haven't relented on. I have never relinquished control over the quote. I have a monopoly on that. Well, okay, but, but you have. But precedent is not a good songs. argument, though. Just because there was it precedent, is, it is a great argument. I mean, it, basically, the entire U.S. legal uh, justice system is based on precedent. And you think the U.S. legal justice system is efficient or perfect? I don't think it is. It's good enough. 
Well, what is this song? Is it just like, because there's rules to whack versus wise. The song West has to be private. I'll, I'll actually rules. tell you. There's actually tell. I'll actually tell you. Okay. The song needs to be relevant in culture. Okay. It okay. actually needs to be irrelevant. It, it it can't meme itself. Every now and then, sure. But like, Wait, what do you mean meme itself? Like it can't be like making a joke. It can't be. It can't be a song that knows that it's whack. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. For the I song agree. to be whack, it has to be like somebody fully serious. Yeah. yeah. And has to be. Cool. It's very important okay. that coolness factor. <laughs> okay. Okay. Like I'm, I'm just being honest. This, this is what I'm. This is, this is so what I'm Okay, fine. Okay, fine. It's we'll, it's we'll it's like popular and yeah as well. Okay, John, you pick the song. Gold Links by Asap Rocky. Amor, I'm doing this right. Uh, I, I don't want to, but aneurysm. I don't know. I, I I would defer to Siri. Okay, fine. We'll def- defer to Siri. Bald defer online. to Siri. Bald online. Yeah, ball 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 online. Ball online. Austin, pull out Siri. <laughs> okay, guys. Uh, who's who's heads? Who's tails? Let's just flip a coin. Oh, I'll let John pick. John, do you want one or two? Uh. Oh no no! Pick pick heads or tails. Siri can flip a coin. It's all you, ball don't lie. Well, I've always been a tails guy, so tails. All right, I'm heads. Ask Siri to flip a coin. Put it near the mic. My Mac should pick this up. Who's heads? I'm heads. Okay. Hey Siri, flip a coin. It's tails this time. Oh, it's tails this time. Ball don't lie. Ball don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, man. Goddamn Tim Cook out here. Okay, yo, uh, Gold Links is not a song. Okay, okay, it's John, you're done. You're done. What? <laughs> <laughs> Gold Links ain't so rocky. It's not even a song. It's not even, it's not even a song. I think you're thinking <laughs> of Goldie. Oh, yeah, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. This one. Yeah, this is what I meant. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, Amher, it is what wow. it is. Wow. I mean, this is I. Okay, I, I don't. I don't listen to Wax, so you know, cut, cut a man some slack. Okay, relax, relax. Oh my god, relax. Jesus, man. No, 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 no. Man, John is back. <laughs> you can skip the ad, Austin. Yeah, there you go. Oh, oh. I said it must be, cause a nigga got dough. Ordinary swag in the mouth full of gold. I was at my shows, they was stripping off the clothes. And the college girls write a nigga name on their toes. Niggas talk shit till they get locked jaw. Chrome till you don't, till you get locked jaw. Party like a cowboy or a rock star. Everybody play the tough down to shit pop off. Let's take it to the basis. You and them, Mr. Greatness. My Martin was the Mason. Rock Margellas with no laces. Chris Dow- Go by the cases. Wait, hold up, that was racist. I would prefer the aces. Ain't no different when you chase it. My 40 ounces chase it. That's just an understatement. I'm early to the party, but my Rari is the latest. Somehow it seems girls in their late teens remind me 
wearing your favorite jeans Cause they naked cause you famous Like some motherfucker ain't it These other rappers ain't it So tell me what your name is I'ma tell it till my stainless You aim it for you bang it But that bring it leave you brainless It's just me, myself, and I And motherfuckers that I came with It's lameness Niggas wanna hate on me Until I tell them to they face They ain't no G Low key Niggas mad cause I'm smooth puffin' zigzag Tell them quit the riff rap Bitchin' with your bitch I it must be Cause the nigga got no all right i used to listen to that song in high school me too yeah same 63 million views that song meets the criteria so does Emma reading this now yeah because yeah. Yeah. yeah you are because you're you're reading the the the, the book <laughs> quote right <clears throat> yeah 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 wait john you can't just do a whack versus wise all by yourself yeah, you gotta john, give up john, one okay move yeah, aside. No, fair enough Fair enough. I mean, I just, I suppose I didn't read the fine print on that. Damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Hold on, Amber. There's rules to how you read this, though. What are the rules? You can't actually try and make it sound good. You have to read it with just complete objectivity, as if you're reading a book. You can't, you, you can't get into it, if you know what I mean. You have to just read it. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. I said it must be Cause an N word got dough, extraordinary swag and a mouth full of gold. Hoes at my shows, they be stripping off their clothes, and them college girls write an N word name on their toes. N words talk shit till they get lockjaw, chrome to your dome till you get Glock jaw. <laughs> You're reading this like Dr. Seuss. Stop doing that. No, he's reading it like it's uh, the night before Christmas uh, story. Yeah, yeah. Stop reading it like that. There was a, there wasn't a creature stirring, not even a mouse. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly how he's doing it. <laughs> I did that subconsciously. I got to be yeah. honest. Party like a cowboy or a rock star. Everybody play the tough guy till shit pop off. Yes, I'm the shit. Tell me, do it stink? It feel good waking <laughs> up some money in the bank. Three model bitches, cocaine on the sink. And I'm so bad about it, I might roll up in a tank. Because my chain came from Cuba, got a lockup on the link, and them red bottom loafers just to compliment the mink. <laughs> okay, I'm doing it again. Um, <laughs> damn. Eyes... C word rolling up that dank, blowing on that stank. What you mean? Tell me what you drink. I'm on that kissing pink. You could call me Billy Gates, got a crib in every state, man on the moon, got a condo out in space. Mm. Open up your legs, tell me how it tastes. <laughs> and them N words talking shit. So tell them, tell it to my face. Tell that bitch, hop up on my dick, roll up with her quick. In a six, told her to suck a dick, motorboat her tits. I'm the shit. N-word's mad because I'm smooth, puffing zigzags. Tell him quit the riffraff, bitching with your bitch ass. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I've never sworn so much in my life. Yo, okay, so... I actually oh, that's fucking hilarious. You know, it's funny when I'm listening to this song, I really don't realize that this is what's being said, but I'm like kind of going along with it. 
It's actually no, insane. No, it's so true. Like when you it's put so a true. good beat with good like tempo and and like background music, all this just becomes way more acceptable for no reason. Now I feel like I'm 45 years old it's when impressive. I just said that. I know, I know. But all right, so John picked the song. I read the lyrics. Austin, you're reading the quote. Okay, what's the quote? Whoa, <laughs> no, no. I have a monopoly on quotes, and we already we just talked about this. Okay. This is what's it like to be John's friend. No goodwill. Yeah, exactly. No, no fun. tolerance. No um, space. So let it be known on the record that nobody from this day forward is picking a whack song as John has set the precedent from today. It's like, <laughs> you like precedents? Here's a precedent for you. Well, okay, so... Uh... It's like we're brothers. Like, this is how brothers interact. It's pretty cool. <laughs> okay, I'm going to read this quote. I like this one. Um, Where's it from? Who is it? This is a. There's some. There's some wisdom in this, and I like this. This is from Benjamin Roth. It's a diary from the Great Depression. Oh yeah. And this is something that he wrote during the Great Depression. So Benjamin Roth versus ASAP Rocky. Yeah, it is my conclusion that the successful investor must cultivate the habit of patience. He must be able to hold his money and wait until it is really the time to buy. In this panic, it meant waiting over three years until stocks were really at rock bottom and selling at less than one-tenth of their normal value. I suppose the real investor would then have the patience and courage to wait until normal times returned before selling. Patience to wait for the right moment, courage to buy or sell when the time arrives, and liquid capital. These are the three essentials as I see it now. Fantastic. It's wise. I love that. The part that I disagree with is is he's speaking from a place of generalization of the entire stock market. And I think this just kind of results from his lack of experience and perspective. Um I would say that you could you could take that quote and make it more wise by just rather than talking as the entire stock market, but just as individual companies. I think there's many great companies that I would want to own, but the price is not the price that I would is not the right price. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's too expensive. And so having the patience to wait until the companies you want to own uh, are within your price range or, you know, within your price target is, uh, but then having the courage, like uh, I recently, so I, I, I bought a company or bought into a company rather. Um, and it was at all time lows. And I had looked at buying this company many times before. And I, I just, Tell me it was Shopify. No. Oh, okay. Shopify like and literally tanked so hard. Now they're coming back up again. But anyway. Well, anyway, I I was looking at this company and many times, and there's even notable investors that I really look up to that bought it at prices that you know, and I knew that they had bought it because you know they they you know I'm not gonna get into how I know, but if there's there's a thing that you can look at in different <laughs> oh, okay. reports. But you like insider trading? Okay. Well, no, 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 no. It's just it, it's it's there's a thing called a 13F filing where basically anyone that you know a yeah. traded business that's buying, okay, you can look at their portfolio. You know, I think once a year or something like that, or every every quarter. I think it's yeah quarterly. No, I know way, what you mean. Yeah, but either way, so I waited and waited because I I I didn't think the timing was right. I I figured that uh, 
not only did I, I, I foresee that maybe it was going to drop further, but also that I wasn't fully satisfied with the margin of safety. Okay. So I waited and I waited and I, and I, and I finally bought some. And even then it dropped another 35%. Crazy. Even beyond that. And I doubled down because I had the courage to know that, no, I was happy buying it, you know, 35% ago. I'm happy buying it again now. Yeah. And this company this week jumped 40%. Upwards. There you go. There you go. Yeah. What is this company? Or you want to keep it Patreon only? You know what? The reason, yeah, Patreon only kind of thing. But also, you know, one thing I, I, I became present to actually was that there's people that are actually buying stocks because I just merely mentioned their name or wear their shirt. <laughs> um, you, you really shouldn't do that because you, you won't have the same conviction that I do in the sense that you, you haven't done the, the work that I've done. So it's not, it's not, it's not, you should, you really shouldn't do that. Um, cause that's, that's not really the, really the reason that's why I think it's probably best if I don't mention the names anymore, because I think that you could get all the same value without me just saying what the company is. Yeah. That's interesting because like, I think there's like a lot of people who are just listening to this, who just want to at least know what that stock is, not just to buy it, but just to, to follow through your train of logic. Yeah, maybe. I just my fear is that like people would be buying stocks just because I I mentioned their name and then, you know, they potentially buy or sell at the wrong time because of that. Cuz like imagine this. Right now, someone could listen to this 4 years from now and the stock price could be completely, you know, obviously it'll be completely different than what it is now. Or even even 3 months from now, it could be totally different, right? So that's why it's mentioned the name is just it, it's dangerous, right? Because they okay, can buy well, it at the wrong time or sell. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Well, well, I I want to provide as much transparency. Like we're no, people like us for our transparency. So what if we just you just actually claim that today is March nineteenth, twenty twenty two, and okay. Well, excellent. in that case, yeah, don't buy this company now. Just based on this, but the company was called Alibaba. Oh, Alibaba, yeah, of course. Yeah, you've hinted at this before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's again. So I'll just say it because we like to be transparent. It's March nineteenth, twenty twenty two. We're not professionals. We've not nearly done as much research as a lot of other people. This is based entirely on our own opinions and facts, and that you should not come to this podcast for any financial advice, especially not stock picks which historically no. is like one of the hardest things to do. And yeah, don't do that. it's just like many people have just failed. So there's actually a definition yeah. here, by the way, as well, that I just want to read. Um, yeah, please. Because it, Amber, it, it's the exact definition that you were looking for. Let me just, where was Yeah, that? please. Okay. Gotcha. So this, by is the way, what, this is the definition yeah. of process power. Yeah, go ahead. Embedded company organization and activity sets, which enable lower costs and or superior product and which can be matched only by an extended commitment. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, That's a pretty concise way of putting it, hey? John, what do you think of Rivian? No, no, no. no. Uh, I don't know. Why? Well, I'm just asking his thoughts, Amber. I'm not asking him if he should buy it, or if I should buy it. No, but I'm just afraid that we'll turn into a stock-picking... Yo, this is a conversation. I'm not like, like I'm not like John. Do you think the our... current value of forty five dollars and sixty cents of Rivian is accurate? Is this a buy? Is this a hard buy? 
No, I'm just well, like, yo, what do you think? Hold on, actually, hold on. Which I, hold on, but that's that's an important. That's actually something to talk about. The reason yeah, why it is. it's fairly inaccurate to talk about whether the stock price is a good price to buy at is that you realize I was like sarcastically asking that question. Like I actually don't want you to no, no, but no, no, but I don't even think oh, you understand. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Though, I, I don't even think you understand the distinction I'm about to make. Possibly not. But what I'm saying is that I asked you what you thought of a stock like that. That was, you know, I wasn't trying well, to elicit information from you that would have no, no, been no, like get, incriminating. Get, yeah. No, no. I look at, yeah. Amber, we're bad boy. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, but Austin, no, what I was going to say is that the reason why the stock price is sort of ir- kind of somewhat irrelevant is that the amount of shares outstanding can change over time. Yeah. So what you act, what's that? The most important thing to look at is the market capitalization. So that's how much you, I mean, if, give or take, you, you, that's the valuation you're buying the business at. So the stock price is more or less irrelevant. Yeah. For example, Ruger and another American firearms manufacturer, their share price is like seventy bucks a you know share or whatever, and Smith and Wesson's is sixteen. But Ruger has way less shares outstanding, so it's it's it, the share price is sort of irrelevant. And then the other thing too is that companies can either dilute their shareholders by issuing more shares and sell them to the public to raise cash, or they can also buy back shares, re- thus reducing the amount of shares. Right. Yeah. Like Twitter, for example, has in the last ten years has seven times more outstanding shares. Well, John, I am curious. Why on earth would you wear another company's merch when you can just wear your own company's? That to me just does not make any sense. I'm a shareholder of Smith and Wesson. What are you talking about? You have more Check money and, and commitment. No, no, no. But you have more money and commitment into ProWorks. Like, why? Where's the love for ProWorks here? I mean, I wear ProWorks clothing probably more than I wear any other clothing. So mm-hmm. there's okay, tons of love for it. I didn't. Yeah, Amber, I don't see the. I don't see the. Amber, I don't see the trade arc face tattoo, man. Actually, do you know what, guys? Do you know what I bought? The, <laughs> what? So, like, the I've disrespect. This, I've, I've put it under my lip. I um. <laughs> yeah, I, I might do that. Wait, what are you saying? Okay, so hold on. Yeah. Actually, can I? Can we actually just rewind a little bit here? Because there was a point that I was going to make earlier that I that I that I think is quite brilliant. Okay, so okay, so ask me where I heard about Seven Powers. Where did you hear about Seven Powers? Rap John song Morgan. in a rap song. Good question. No, uh, it was a book recommendation from Peter Thiel, not to me directly, but just like you know, into the universe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So why do you think that would be significant? Um, because you got to the end of a book where he recommended it. No, because his reputation. Yeah, but was so leveraged. What notable do you guys do you guys know much about Peter Thiel? Yeah, he is the zero to one author, right? He's the yeah. first outside investor to Facebook. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, do you guys? Oh, read he's the, oh, I, I didn't I read. That's interesting. Yes. Um, right. Like if I, but if I recommend a book, you know, or, or Austin, like, if, yeah. you know, if there's a book that you're like, dude, this is amazing. I usually, you know, yeah. for example, I didn't read the parasitic mind, but Trisha did. No way. Right? So because dude, we're in the you same should read it circle, because I still think that you would get value Trisha kind of like relayed the information to me. And I was like, this is fucking awesome. Like, I, I actually want to read it because it sounds funny. Because <laughs> she'd like read some like. Had me crying laughing. Oh, yeah. But point being, though, 
it's safe to say that Mr. Zuckerberg has read seven powers. It's not like a, you know, it's, it's probably not even remotely. Now, mm. what's fascinating about this is how many powers Facebook has mm. or mm. Meta has. And so some of the powers develop at certain times, obviously. Like brand is not something that you can really, it's very rare to have brand power from day one, right? Like that's a pretty rare thing, right? So different things, you know, so, but the counter positioning happens in the origination. It's the only place it can possibly exist. When you start something new, that's when you can counter position it, right? Does that make sense? No. Well, what, what, okay, well, there's an incumbent business that has a business model. And oh, you start okay, the business model, versus so the incumbent. Journey. Yeah, it's an invention sure. phase, right? What do you think Reality Labs is doing right now? Mm. So get this, Reality Labs. So if you want to compete against Reality Labs, because right now, you can buy Meta, in my opinion, at, a, at, at an evaluation where effectively you're getting the very profitable existing business, the incumbent, at a very favorable rate, and you're getting the unprofitable, but yet, you know, potentially, you know, very uh, long-term investment, you know, for free, in my opinion. You're getting it for free because you're not paying a price that that involves any sort of valuation. If anything, you're actually paying a discounted price on the existing business because it has this unprofitable, quote-unquote, unprofitable business attached to it called Meta. So there's, for people that don't know, Meta Platforms owns Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp, which they call that the family of apps, and they have that as one business. And the second business called Reality Labs, which owns a bunch of different companies, but the most notable one is Oculus, which is sort of mm. uh, a, virtual head, a virtual reality headset company or brand. So they're selling Oculus Rifts at a loss right now, as in they're paying, effectively they're paying people to buy them from them. So if you want to get into the headset VR business, good fucking luck. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So if your goal is to make money selling VR headsets, you're it. You're, good luck trying to compete against Oculus because they're willing to they're willing to pay their customers to buy them from them. And they're and they're already operating in an economies of scale, and they're operating at a loss. It's insane. Correct. Yeah, and then of course they're developing potentially a network effect on the metaverse because again we were just talking about this. The more people that have Oculus, the more valuable it is right and to other users because of course you have friends you can play with right like think about like xbox 360 why was the xbox 360 so dominant because everybody wanted xbox the party remember the party chat feature everyone was on yeah. that shit right yeah that's just because that was the network effect xbox xbox live on the 360 was way more valuable than any other system because it had that party chat man right? screw party chat man we're uh, fucking mario party was where it was at I'd be down. Do you guys ever play Mario Party? So Nintendo, by the way, has process power. Right? Their games are just, I mean, because think about it. Remember how a Nintendo game is like, a Nintendo games are like $10 more than, you know, they're like $79.99, mm -hmm. right? And yet you still, like, I remember going and being like, holy fuck, they're like $10 more. You still buy them. Why? Because, you know, Nintendo makes mm -hmm. fucking amazing games. Mm -hmm. Man. Mario Party, what a time. All right, gentlemen. I'm going to get ready to sleep, catch my flight.
if yeah, it's yeah, yeah. make sure it's not a Boeing 737 Max. Uh, even then, I'll probably be safe. No, you won't. I'll knock, knock on some wood. Where's do some wood? Okay, that has no wood. Okay, uh, Austin, go. what are you booked at? Uh, pull that up. Six sixty. No, I'm gonna no, guess no. five eighty. No, 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 no. Yo, it's actually. Oh, I should have actually got into this this week. Um, I'm at. Yeah, I didn't four, even ask I'm at. I'm at four seventy five. The the difference is, um. There is a guy, who. We should have, man, I should have brought this up with the process power, all this, all this stuff. There's um, a guy who's just fucking murdering you right now. No, but it's not even murdering me. Like literally these quotes make no sense. Like, like I'm already operating at an economies of scale and his quotes are like 5% more than my materials and labor. That's crazy. So I'm telling clients this and, and this just happened because we aggressively marketed one area where there was like a, a lot of shingle blow off from like a storm that happened, but he had gotten there first, but I think he just used this method of like getting his foot in the door because there's actually no way that he can do these roofs profitably. So it, like, what's it, is he, but is he possibly a part of some business that has a way more scale than you do? <laughs> no, no. Like I, I, I'm, I lost out on six quotes to this guy. So is I, he a scam? maybe because i there was a there was a uh there the only reason why i mentioned this is there was a painting company called wolf painting in Kelowna, and basically there was this which i'm totally calling out because i mean like it was really, 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 like, convicted. <laughs> like, like, it, like, like john's like, like yo square up wolf painting no no this is not a controversial thing like the, like literally the rcmp were called and this person like got charged like they actually that's insane this is, like this, this, this is not like me like throwing shade this is actually yeah, like, you know, <laughs> yeah they, they like went to the court system and got convicted anyway there was a company called wolf painting and they were charging like 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 literally you know you know like the quote-unquote half but like it was yeah. like but it was an egregious amount you know? yeah i mean you can be half but it's like well it's kind of fucking weird like why like why is this one company that just like charging so but they were collecting these massive deposits and it turned out this chick basically Mm -hmm. was a known scam artist in calgary she like had like this weird cancer scam in calgary which i don't want to get into but it was like this weird like her faking to have cancer on gofundme multiple times it was kind of crazy but then she comes to Kelowna and starts this painting company and just starts cutting you know undercutting everyone on hardy plank homes in kettle valley so i was like i'm gonna look into this bitch you know this is fucking so weird right <laughs> turns out she started ripping people off and then, because you know because none of the jobs actually got started she'd show up and like kind of like do things to like kind of like keep you on the hook while she was collecting more deposits but then she ditched town so you know it's possible like i mean it happened here in Kelowna, and like take in mind Crazy. the one client like they called me and and she was like so embarrassed you know because she's a doctor so she's like man like i'm a doctor like i'm like i'm, I'm like i'm a smart person like i got ripped you, you, know you told I mean? me like, about like, this like, before yeah and she was like she, like and I remember talking to her about it. And she was like, she would end up being one of my best clients. She was amazing, right? But she was like, yeah, man. Like it just kind of blew my mind because like here's me thinking that like I'm you know like I don't know. Like, she's like she was so wrapped up in the fact that like she's a doctor. How could she make a bad yeah, decision? I mean, everybody. Right? I bought a fake iPhone for fuck's sakes. Remember that? Well, that makes more sense than the <laughs> no, for sure it does. I'm I'm not, <laughs> but I'm just saying like I'm kidding. I mean I'm kidding. I'm doing it. Just, you just feel like a massive idiot. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. um, but yeah, so there's this. There's this guy and I, and I, and I have this, anyway, 
he he's anywhere from like 15 to 35 percent less expensive and um is he roofing himself well this is what i'm trying to find out like i I figured out that he has an office so it's somewhat of a legitimate business i drove by it i like i actually saw the office it's not like it's not like a broken down house um and this guy's like listen man your process the way you're selling i want to work with you although with everything that this person's offering i can't work with you for this price differential so but he's also in business so i was like look let me know when this guy's going to start your roof and let me know if he tears because the thing with roofing companies that get a really bad rap is that you can reduce the friction of price for the first big decision meaning to get people's buy-in to get their sign to get them to sign up with you you can be the most price competitive but as soon as the roof gets torn off you can have some unforeseen you know cost what's the person gonna do yeah like the homeowner you're you're not gonna gonna change roofing companies when you don't have a fucking roof on your house and it's about to rain tomorrow right so a lot of roofing companies do this and it really pisses off a lot of people. And the thing with us is that we don't do that. We never do that. We, we tell them like if their house is at risk of needing to be resheeted by like 5%, they have like one sheet of plywood that's bowing down. We're telling them what the full resheet price is and what our price per sheet is. Like they know how to budget for this and we're selling it accordingly. Whereas a lot of roofing companies don't do that. So anyway, I'm thinking that there's this chance where this guy, where this company is going to do that. And this client was like, yeah, I'm down. Like, I'll tell you when the job's starting and then I'll tell you if they try and rinse me for more money. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, that's amazing. So yeah. I have like, anyway. So so long story short, I should be like the last 10 days. But he'll book himself so- up though. He'll book himself up. Exactly. Right, yeah. But I'm thinking that, I, I'm curious to see how this goes on, but I'm about, I'm, I'm not behind by any means, but like I should have, I should have crossed the 500 mark this week, but I will this week. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Um, I guess Amber is probably going to go to. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Time. Amber, do not get on that 737 max, my guy. I swear to God. <laughs> no, no. Yo, you guys can, like, if you guys want to keep going for another no, no, like, it's okay. 10, 15 minutes. Dude, I trust that Boeing brand. Okay. Yeah. I, think yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I don't think it's a case of corporate do greed. Do not I get think on that... the 737 max. <laughs> no, it, it, it's, uh, I have the flight number. I don't know what it is, though. Um, Yo, send me, me your flight right info, Amber. Hold on, let's check right now. <laughs> this would be funny. Yo, bro, if, I end up di- if this plane ends up crashing, this would be hilarious. Hold on. All right. Could you imagine My if if uh, if uh, planes had stop, like stop. <laughs> like customer reviews? You know, like you like like you like you're like on your plane. You're like look at the reviews. It's like, yeah, my brother died. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> review, like, yeah. <laughs> That's so terrible. We should not laugh at that. Um, yeah, no, fair enough. You're right. <laughs> okay. If you're watching this and your brother died, sorry. Amber, what's your flight number? Uh, it says sign up. Sign up failed. Um, it probably doesn't want you to know. It, you, I bet. I bet. <laughs> Boeing's got this deal with Siri where basically they can like sense you're gonna look up the thing and it's like. Boeing's got mode. this deal with Siri. Yo, Siri, make sure you don't answer that. Hey, yo, yeah, Siri's just cutting side deals at this point. Okay, okay, okay. I'm in, I'm in. Siri's just getting subcontracted. She's just like, bitch, I'm taking side jobs. Here, view, view receipt. That's so funny, dude. 
Dude, Siri's I'm just like, saying right Apple, now, I'm not working for you anymore. What if Siri tried getting a divorce with Apple? Imagine. Would it, she would just it like take became half? available? Would, no, would she take half, do you think? Maybe. She's become such an integral part of the Apple experience. No, 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 not at all. She's useless. I'm just saying, like, I don't know. Like, is she an employee? Like, that's the thing. Is Siri technically an employee? I think of- so. Because I mean, dude, like she's got some overtime. She's got some T four here. She's got a T four. Dude, 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 she's got over. Dude, she's gonna like sue for overtime. <laughs> I actually have no idea my flight number. Yo, bro, I don't tell, have that. Tell me, I have the tickets. The tickets are in the other room. Go get your ticket. Okay, wait, wait, I'm podcast. sure he'll be fine. No, I'm no, sure I'll be fine. fine. No, I'll be fine. Send I'll me a fine. photo of your boarding pass there. I don't have my word. Okay, boys. Oh my god. Yeah, I'll, uh, I gotta go pick up uh, T Dog from uh, the hospital. Okay, so. see ya. All right, take care, everybody. Good night. <laughs> hey, listeners, thanks so much for tuning in this week. As usual, you can find us on Instagram at the weekly call pod or through email at the weekly call pod at gmail.com for any questions or comments about any of our material and just to kind of pick our brain or even challenge us on a few things we said today. The intro and outro music was brought to you today by William Scott Thompson. You can find him on Spotify under that name. He has a lot of other great material on there that you can go listen to as well. Thanks so much for tuning in this week, guys. We'll see you soon.